right, guys, welcome back to New Blood Rising Podcast. We're in Season 5. We're taking a look today at Halloween Havoc 90s. We're closing in on the end of the, I guess, the first calendar year. It's, we haven't, we're not, it's not like we did the entire calendar year in 90, but we're almost at the end. This is a... This is bad. This I, I don't. They didn't have necessarily a big four. Did they, did they have a big four? I can't remember off the top of my head. I just was thinking about it. Like, I mean, well, what had, was your big four for WCW? Be Starcade, Starcade Halloween, Halloween Havoc, Havoc Spring Great American Bash. Oh, you would count Spring Stampede? Probably not Spring Stampede yet. Okay, because I mean they, then, they always had seasonal pay per views like and that. And Super Brawl is not there yet. Super Brawl is not there yet. It's either. The next year, I think ninety one is Super Brawl one. I'm sorry, I tugged at your thing there. That sounds kind of dirty. That sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> I'll drink to that. No, it's on your microphone cord. Mm. But no, um, like, yeah, when I think of like the main, the mainline WCW pay per views, you're right. Some of them don't come till later, like fall. Wrestle War, I think, kind of is a big one right now. Jason, would you agree? Wrestle War would kind of round out the big ones right now. I guess that one would. I don't think they had like a. They had like the big three because. We just we hit those like the beat theirs really started in the middle of the year and carried through the end because they had unlike the WWF they had like the, the clashes of champions kind of fulfilled that fourth pay per view position yeah in in that I guess in in the way you look at it but yeah because I guess so you had Russell War Russell War Great American Bash Havoc and Starcade okay so those are the ones they properly call pay per views and so I guess. That it, that's it by default. Those are your big ones, and the rest of them are clashes. But it's kind of neat because that shifts because it feels like Super Brawl does become like it's the one that gets numbered. Yeah, that's where it used to be so confusing as a kid. It's like why is the numbered one the least important between that and Starcade? Yeah. yeah, it is interesting though because like Havoc maintains. I feel like it's well because like they do something with the season. It's kind of neat. So we had Havoc, then Starcade, then Super Brawl. So it's like you, they kind of had their three like how. Uh, WWF for a while would have Royal Rumble, the, the pay per view in between, whatever they call it, and then right. Mania is that Road to WrestleMania type of thing. I don't know. But anyway. WCW never really had like that, like the big Road to Road to Starcade. The Road to Starcade <laughs> runs runs through uh, Road Wild here. For <laughs> We're gonna be in Sturgis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It always seemed like nobody wanted to be there. No, not even. Even, that's, even the fans didn't want to be there. This is free. Yeah, that so, so we're at Halloween Havoc 90. We came off Clash of the Champions 12, which was, you know, uh, had its moments, but uh, right. that, had that awesome Luger Flair match, which was yes. really good. So the first thing, uh, before we dive into it, it's important because today is WrestleMania. So... We have, to talk. we have to talk about this. Like, even though it's not confirmed on paper, we know the Undertaker's gonna be wrestling Cena tonight. It's it's going to happen, and it's there are a lot of rumors. It's most likely going to be the American Badass. It's most likely gonna have Kid Rock do it, which is great. Like for us, it couldn't be more perfect because <laughs> the jokes from season one to now have always centered around not Dead Man Undertaker. It's it's booger red. Kind of feels like uh, once this is over, we should probably just end the podcast. This <laughs> seems Are you like serious? it's, it's kind of come full circle. Because the whole thing, though, if if you if you were to look at the podcast as an arc, we've always talked about kind of wanting to see that one more time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> as, as strange as that. So I remember is. how excited we were at Survivor Series when we went there, and yeah. they had they they actually acknowledged it because they they really don't like to uh, they really don't like to acknowledge the American badass no. in any capacity, but. Anyway, um, Jason, starting off with you, man. What, like, 
What are your thoughts on this whole Cena Taker build to now? I like it. I don't think they're going to wrestle tonight, though. <laughs> I think there's going to be a. I think there's going to be a face-off. I think they're going to do another year-long build because this WrestleMania does not need. And I don't mean it like it, like the build up, the card that's on here. It doesn't need a uh, Undertaker match. Doesn't need a John Cena match. I think not having an average, like a pre-planned, advertised John Cena Undertaker match this year is a good test to see how things are going forward for them without both of them. Because I mean, Taker's definitely. I mean, dude deserves to not be fun. I like how, like all the jokes. Um, Martin put out somebody was talking like. You know, Taker's just going to be sitting on his couch live via satellite being the American fat ass and not coming in to to do anything. I would like to see Taker not come back a year, at least give us a year after his loss to Roman because of, number one, as emotional it was. Number two, as the storytelling it was. Number three, let the dude baby heal. He could do a little bit better. But Have you seen the pictures of him? Like the one, the one this week that Michelle McCool put up? No. Looks awesome. He looks amazing. Like, couldn't be. No, well, he had it up. Like, he had the bandana on. So, like, you couldn't really, like, it, it was it was a little bit more than a medium shot. It was definitely, like, a, it wasn't, like, an up-close one. But, like, you could see his, like, how how his gut looked and everything. And he looked pretty good. good. Like, I was really impressed with how he looked. Um, of course, that doesn't translate to ring shape at all. Uh, we have no. The, you have no idea how that is. So, you've liked the, so, get, get just going a little bit deeper, uh, the promos you've you've liked them with uh, with Cena. You you've enjoyed that. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Like it's it's because it it means or I don't think it means to me. It's it's pulling out that that Cena's really desperate to get this and to be on WrestleMania to the point where he exhausted all his other options. So when he's calling out Taker and Taker's not responding. He's continually calling out Taker. Like there's, you know, and I like the half-ass answer, which still doesn't make any sense. They gave this week on Raw of why he's not going to be Strowman's partner, not just going to go in the battle royal, you know, anything else. I don't want to take someone else's spot. Well, I mean, you fighting Taker would take someone else's spot for sure. Um, but it's just, it's it's a good story. I like the buildup. You know, it's it's. It's not like we haven't seen Undertaker in a WrestleMania build up where he wasn't really there at all, like the Bray Wyatt stuff. Only this one seems a lot more entertaining and a lot more uh, up in the air. But yeah, I'm I'm 100 down with it. If they a face off would be great. If they wind up wrestling, okay. But I'm fine either way. Charlie, how do you feel about it, man? A very very mixed, very mixed feelings because. Uh, so I've I've basically DVR'd TiVo'd um, the last three or four episodes of Raw, and I swear to God, all I do is watch the John Cena bit. That's it. That's yeah. all I want to see. And <clears throat> I have a couple of feelings about the, these promos that he gives. First of all, uh, why does John Cena need to fight the Undertaker? I don't understand that. I would understand that if the streak hadn't been broken, but why does he need to do this? Uh, granted, I liked Cena's excuse. I think Jason pointed it out about I can't just. Enter myself in a title match. I, and the reason I liked it was because Cena actually acknowledged what my problem with his character has been for the last six months, and that he has lost almost every single match he's been in. He actually points out every single pay-per-view in a row that he's lost. So I did like that. Um, that match 
has to happen tonight. Because I honestly believe that if they... Because Cena's saying he's going to go in as a fan is one thing, but he's going to go in as a fan with entrance music. You know he's going to come to the ring. And if they tease us that match on the show, and then they end up not giving it to us, I bet that crowd just comes alive and just absolutely gets infuriated. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, that could kill a crowd. That could absolutely kill could the crowd, kill the especially crowd. depending on where the placement on the on the actual card is. And let's talk about this for a second. How old is Undertaker? A hundred. He doesn't. Oh, fuck you. hundred. <laughs> he doesn't owe John Cena or the fans shit. And the thing about Cena's prom- Cena's promos aren't necessarily. Uh, bad. I, I don't mind them. What I do mind is the way that the crowd is reacting. The crowd starts chanting for Undertaker. <laughs> You're coming after all of them. Fuck Especially em. Atlanta. Fuck them. Especially the like, last... last like, these are the most fair-weather little shithead assholes. Like, like, Undertaker. And and then, when Cena says the word... This is like uh, some kind of... I'm sorry if I'm getting loud, but this, is, this really pisses me off. If you ever want to get a crowd on your side nowadays, just say the word bitch. All you have to do is say bitch. And all of a sudden, the crowd's like, yeah, that's cool. We never hear that anymore. And, and the crowd like starts like, yeah, why isn't Undertaker answering the challenge? He's 54 years old. Fuck you. He doesn't owe you shit. Like, and the crowd starts chanting with Cena, which is really kind of interesting because Cena usually has that polarized reaction. But I think Cena's finally hit that little level where he's not going to get that kind of reaction anymore, where people just are just going to automatically like him. But he's kind of tricked the WWE universe into thinking that Undertaker's dodging him, and that Cena, his promos come off to me as extremely heel, and yet he's being cheered by the crowd, and that's what I don't understand. I just, I hope Taker just destroys him. (laughs) I guess I overshot it with a hundred. A little bit. God damn. I, I'm sorry. I cannot wait now for... I, I. All I kept thinking about was that in the next compilation of clips, that whole bit. Because that was explosive. <laughs> yeah. Very explosive. I just don't understand. Uh, all right. I have hated this. I have not liked any of this because the biggest problem like with this attitude that Cena carries, it doesn't make any sense when the other guy hasn't said a word. He could be literally on vacation. That's why that kayfabe news. The kayfabe news nailed it. But, like, (laughs) if he had come out and... Remember... Do you you guys remember the... It was... was, I think it was WrestleMania 28. It was kind of like 28. It was like 28, except the roles were reversed. Taker was challenging Triple H, and Triple H was like, Nah, man. Hard pass. Not going to do the match. And he kept goading him and goading him. And then finally he's like, Well, you know that you couldn't do what your buddy couldn't do because... You know he was better than you. Where's the contract? <laughs> Sign. And that's what Metallica. <laughs> and then it was on from there. But it was at least though both parties are there and stuff like him doing these things where he's like he's uh, an ego. Uh, the egomaniac one really made me. The Undertaker. Mad. Yeah. Yeah. When Cena said that, yeah, I caught. It. I just. It really. Well, bought... I'm glad it made you mad. Cena's the heel in this thing. No, he's not. That's, no, I'm talking about yes, this. I'm telling you, he's, when it comes out, when it comes down to it, if he comes out, if Taker comes out and this happens, that crowd is going to be all over Cena and all for Taker. But the Cena's way the crowd reacted. Cool. I am talking like, this from a story, like, just oh, strictly, oh. like, the A to B to C progression of a storyline. One actor and their lines talking to another. When you break down, the th- I, I'm not a mark. I understand 
like what a heel and a face is. I get that, and believe me, like even without any of this, I want to see. I, I I automatically associate Undertaker being the face and scene of the heel. He can do all this yeah. other stuff, and believe me, like if in terms of that part of his job, he's done a very good job. It's just this hasn't made a whole lot of sense. It's not like The Undertaker came out, even that, that confusing Raw 25 promo that made zero sense. Like, he had no clue what he was saying or wanting to do or just was throwing up, whatever the excuse was. To just launch into this whole thing, he's a coward, he's this, and then I, you were saying that if somebody says bitch, if somebody, if anytime somebody takes that line where the punchline is uh, they left their balls. That, that too. I, oh, that's because that—that's what started the real chant at yeah. the end. And it was like just, you may have left your hat in the ring, but you left your balls at home. How did he leave his balls at home? He still hasn't left home. That's the whole reason you're giving this yeah. promo. I didn't think it didn't make any sense. I mean, it's did it get heat? Yeah. So I mean, like it's mission accomplished. Then again, like I mean, there is such a thing as cheap heat, and a lot of this that was is cheap. Th- there's a lot of cheap heat in this entire thing to me. But you know, Power. hey, I mean. It's the payoff is going to work. Like it will work. So I mean, like it's it's just like movies that make a hundred million dollars that really aren't very good. They, they still made their money, so they're a, they are a success. So again, like there's nothing that there's not. I'm completely excited to see the potential of an American badass. Kind of wish it was more Limp Biscuit plant because I like Roland better than American I Badass. I do too. Is you know yeah because American Badass is when I think of that I'm like oh that was when he couldn't quite figure it out. Right. Yeah. That's what <laughs> he's got like that weird denim <laughs> shirt. He's the No Mercy costume. That's, that's unbuttoning right. more and more each match. Like <laughs> it's just not going to be there at one point. So yeah, it's it's going to be weird. Like the thing like I'm curious now is is this going to be is is it really the end? Because if he's in this such phenomenal shape, I'm like. Are you setting us up for there's going to be like another one? Like there's going to be like th- this isn't going to be like a, a, a series, is it? Like under like John Cena's not going to have the lights are going to go out, come back on, he's in the ring with Taker and he kicks him in the balls, set up a SummerSlam match or something, will it? Like you know that's that's a, that's the only thing I don't want. Like I I really want this to be the end. Like I want Taker's I want it to be done. Yeah, we mentioned this in the end of yeah. season four. Like it just just pull the plug and, and finish. Well, it should be. We haven't said it yet, but yeah, so the last season, what was that, six episodes? Yeah. We will be doing another episode from, for that season if this match does go through. Well, I, we'll talk about it regardless, I guess, because it's it, even if they mm-hmm. don't wrestle, which I'm, I, I at least like that, Jason, you brought it up, because like, nobody's actually th- said that they still wouldn't wrestle even if Taker was there. It's at least, like, I at least enjoy the possibility. I, although some guy had another one, too, where it's like, Taker comes out for Reigns, not for the and, and the Rock comes out for Cena, and I was like, "All right, well, <laughs> I at least like the idea of a little bit of chaos, whatever. but whatever." But no, man, I think that's an, at least an interesting notion that they could just have a kind of like a melee. I, the only thing I worry about, man, is the uh, like what we were saying—the crowd, the crowd just well, being like, uh, like a lot of people are upset online about the way that they've uh, booked the storyline. Because Undertaker hasn't been there and he won't do that. I actually think it's kind of creative. I, I like the but way he hasn't been there. Sure, I, I kind of like it. I'm like that. That adds a level of intrigue to it that I'm I've not really really if seen he, this before. Yeah, but the way that those promos are worded with him being a coward, which we know that he's not. But of course, we also know Cena's probably goading him. But it's a complete lack of respect on Cena's part, and Cena's all about hustle, loyalty, and respect, and yet he's there calling the fucking legend a coward. You know, it doesn't make sense even from a character standpoint. But it's that fucking crowd. 
It's just that crowd. Oh, he said bitch. I he, like I, it. I'm sure, I want to go back because one last thing real quick. Did he actually say why he has to challenge The Undertaker? Did he actually give a reason? Like Because it hasn't happened. And and not that that I think it's um is it that something hasn't happened. He's you know, Taker may you know may be done, Cena's close to being done. It's something that needs to happen. Which um, that makes sense from a a, a tremendous ego point of view. I mean kind of. That, you could say whole you could plug Hulk Hogan into that. That's never happened. Yeah. John Cena and Hulk Hogan, the two that, like, actually, that was supposed to happen. I mean what, twenty one? Was it? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was. So I, somebody pulled out. Guess who? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing it, bro. <laughs> Fuck you, Terry. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. We're, but, we're going to Vince's office. <laughs> in all fairness, Austin can, pulled out the of thing the is you can, I mean, you can mm. plug a lot of people in that, but, the, you know, Hogan's been gone for a while, even before the... Not if Saudi Arabia pulled. has anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's... It just may. I mean, like it would make sense to me that the biggest star of the last decade would want to fight the biggest star of WWE ever and get it at, sure. at the biggest opportunity. That to me, I mean, that's all the reason I need. I don't need anybody to spill coffee. I don't need under or John Cena to be sitting around masturbating to pictures of Michelle McCool. You know, but, freaking out. But consider this. Can consider like how like just angry it makes us like that those promos that Cena's giving if you look at it like from a from a kayfabe standpoint it kind of does its job yeah exactly no, we're very into this simply be, simply because of the way Cena delivered those promos and it's kind of remarkable because the, the match is basically just built on their on their individual histories I just his progression was okay I didn't win the all right I didn't win the Royal Rumble so I have no path to Wrestlemania okay wait 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 I'm in the Elimination Chamber. I have a path to WrestleMania. You didn't win the Elimination Chamber. I have no path to WrestleMania. Undertaker. I'll take That's the biggest match I can possibly fucking take. <laughs> even though even though he retired, he put his hat in the... Like, if you look at it from... Like, if wrestling were real, he's retired. It's like if someone came out a year later and went, I don't think Edge is done. I want it. <laughs> I'm not buying it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be, it'd be something like all of a sudden, like Richard Benoit showed up. It's like, it's grit, grit. Dirty Dick Benoit. Oh my god. All right, but no, I mean. Richard Benoit. Well, if you. Uh, the, someone did kind of challenge Edge recently, which is hilarious. If you listen to the ENC pod with the Hardys, and Matt keeps flipping, or, and he does it in character, flips in and out of being broken. And it's, uh, he talks about, he goes, oh, well, I've developed a time portal. And he's like, you and I, we can go back and wrestle. And Edge is, they're laughing at it the whole time. And Edge goes, you're going to be able to fix my stenosis? And he just goes, yes, we will get you a new spine. And it's fucking amazing. I would have loved it, though, if he would have said, I'd like to take a time machine back to when you're about to fuck my girlfriend. And then... I mean, that's that's sort of like the, oh, we could go back and do this. Why don't you just go back in time and kill Hitler? Back, Doc, Doc Brown. Hey, why don't we do that? <laughs> You're not thinking fourth dimensional. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, okay. Yeah. Fuck my girl. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> Never forget. Then, now, forever. <laughs> forever! But it'll be, nevertheless, uh, 
It's going to be interesting either way we cut it. If it's a match or not a match, whatever. So it'll be fun. I can't wait for next episode was when we will we'll take... I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to just look at how much material we have because it may be a halfy where we'll do half of that and then get into a show. But we'll see. It we'll just see. depends. If it's... If it's a lot, then we may have to punt on Starcade or Clash, whatever it is, and then move on. But um, can't see it being any longer than a half hour. But I mean, who knows? <laughs> We're, we've been wrong before. Oh yeah, and people, uh, and, the and Hall people, of Fame lasted two us. days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It did. It that you you can say that. Um, all right, so let's dig into this Halloween Havoc '90. Let's just. I, I can't really call an elf in the room because nobody like would know what the hell we're talking about. But let's talk about the fact that there's like matches missing. Jason, can, do you know? Do you have the list of the matches that are missing on this uh, on Halloween Havoc '90? Um, I can pull it up. It's okay. I have them. I just didn't know if you had it ready. I was uh, just gonna. Um, I think it would be fun if you said the match, and we just like imagine the match in our head and go, yeah, then just give it a number. So just a little bit of background. Like, if you watch Halloween Havoc 90 on the network, it is the Turner Home Video Edition, which means that there are... They they deleted not just dark matches, but, like, actual matches within the card. There are four of them, because this would have been a 10-match card. It's actually only six that are on the network. There are four that were taken out. They are the following. Tim Horner defeats Barry Horowitz at 8 minutes and 35 seconds. Two out of ten. <laughs> oh. oh, you're not down with the Barry Horowitz? I I give just, him I'm Hold not up. down with the runtime. This is for <laughs> the, this match is for the WCW alliteration title. Rip Rogers defeats Reno Riggins at 357. <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> what number starts with R? <laughs> <laughs> And then we've got Terry Taylor defeats Bill Irwin at 11.47. That's too long. Three and a half That's out of ten. way too long. That is a long match. And then uh, Candyman Brad Armstrong defeats J.W. Storm at 5.04. Oh, I'd give it a four. So, I, 5.04 is a pretty good time. It's not enough time to figure out what that five, gimmick means. 5.05, pushing it. <laughs> pushing it. So is that it? Yeah, those no, are the, the tag match. The oh, boys, right, right. One more. That's right. Master Blasters. Yeah, Master Blasters, and it's uh, we miss Nash. And, oh, I, that's the one I would have wanted to. See. They they actually defeat the Southern Boys. So that means they've got to be on the top ten tag team board now. That's one thing they did not mention. I know. Else. I was waiting for it, and it really bugged me. Because You've got like ten tag teams on this show. Yeah, I mean this match. This, this is a this is Teddy Long's dream come true. Who's on the show? <laughs> Player. <laughs> 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 I love his line later on. And Horseman, we're done with you. I love we ain't got to wrestle Dude, you again. That whole promo. I was like, I didn't know Teddy had it in him. Yeah. That was a great promo. Teddy coming off the set of Living Colors' latest concert. Just, I mean, <laughs> hear my hand. The hell was that? <laughs> That's Eddie Vedder doing the opening oh. line. <laughs> that was awesome. I just do Eddie Vedder. Living Color. <laughs> Jesus, that's awesome. No, but uh, so again, like I assume it was to try and get it under two hour. Uh, but then again, like it, I guess it would have been you could have still squeezed. What? No, I guess because it's one fifty four on the network. Yeah. So I guess they had to keep it under two hours. Uh, whatever. I I don't have I'm a fine. lot of other background with it. I try to look it up. A, I do not do my job very well. So, anyway. Um, all right. So, our actual first... Well, let's just dive... Like, Let's talk about first the the awesome... Yeah, where are we? The awesome opening oh, of, yeah. of this. We'll get to where we're at. But the, this... 
this really dated visual effects opening with the haunted house and then these inserts of each wrestler either looking scared horrified or trying to scare you it's awesome it's hilarious <laughs> this thing is gold I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the Halloween Havoc concept. I think we all are. The concept is great. The concept's really The, the set on, in the Revenge video game was one of my favorites. Yeah. With the gravestones. Mm -hmm. The gravestones. Yeah, god dang. <laughs> I like that. Jason, I forgot to ask. Did you watch this one at the time? Like, like when it happened? Like, actually live or whatnot? Not live, but later on that week. Because it was... This was school was still was going on, so... You know, I didn't have the Turner Home Video Edition that would be over in two hours. No, we, uh, a friend of mine, like, uh, parents would let him get all these, and we, I went over to his house, like, the Thursday after. Yeah. I think. I mean, I don't mean, it was a couple days after, so we watched it then. Um, but, yes, the the intro is fantastic. And what do you mean, dated? It looks just like the general car insurance is up today. The general. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I, I really was waiting for Shaq to show up. He's having such a good time in those. <laughs> and the favorite of all the ghosts is disgusting Stan Hansen ghost. That is tremendous with his chaw. Just I was like, come on, man. We we get it. You you like tobacco. Lex Luger's face looks like he just saw that scene out of RoboCop when the guy is instant toxic waste and gets just <laughs> eviscerated by the car. <laughs> Put the windshield wiper on. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. It's brilliant. Did you fart in here, by the way? I did not. We have two dogs in here. Wow. <laughs> oh, they... oh, we're blaming it on the dog. We are blaming it on the dog. <laughs> Maybe it was you, and you're covering your tracks by blaming me. It wasn't. All right. yeah, really. I thought well, for a second you were going to me. I was like, look, first of all, Very I'm well, like an hour been. and a half away. <laughs> they're bad, but they're not that bad. So we go, like, all right. Let's get into where we're at because we go, uh, we push into the crowd here, and we've got it's uh, around eight thousand people. We're at the UIC Pavilion in Chicago, Illinois. It's not Rosemont; it's the other one. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't? I you... swear to God, I don't even fucking smell it. It what smells just like nitrogen in here. I'm just kidding; it makes no sense. <laughs> it smells like nitrogen. I was, I really meant to say methane, but all right. I was like, no. It smells like it's one of your fucking guy. dogs. Like that's what it is. You watch your language. I love these dogs. All right. Anyway. All right. So the I with the theme being Halloween. How awesome is it that right off the bat we see Jim Ross and Paul Heyman in costume, and not just like Jim Ross, like just like, well, man, I'll just. I was kind of take a risk, but <laughs> hey, Mario, I'm well, uh, shit, I, I I can't do it. Jan, Janet, you guys say Jan, 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 Jan. Jan? Oh, Jan. Yeah. You know how you That's guys have to say swagger to get in your takers? Yeah. Um, Sorry, The other Jan. night, I was watching the Hall of Fame red carpet just a little bit, and Lana has to say Rusev to get her Russian accent on. It was nice. great. She mm. broke it. And then just goes, Rusev, and gets right back into it. And I immediately go, swagger. It was fantastic. That's brilliant. Swagger. She does, like, she's, like, when I finally heard her without the accent, I was like, I kind of wish you were still doing it. Like, it just, it, mm -hmm. it. I don't know. I I think it was more or less the con the con it was that I think it was the Jericho podcast that she and Rusev did with him, and it just he sounded I like hearing Rusev like kind of be like Rusev not, not from Bulgaria. Yeah, it was kind of neat. But anyway, um, so you got Jim Ross dressed up as a gangster in a zoot suit. That's awesome. Paul Heyman is full on like cartoon. He was all Dracula, and he's at like a ten. Like a lot of these people are right off the bat talking about the card, the show, and everything. And then 
Then we go to the home run winner. Shivani? Yes. It's the best. Tony Schiavone's dressed up as the Phantom of the Opera. What I love is after this segment, everybody else ditches their costume, except for Tony. Tony also looks angry that he's realized that everybody else has ditched it except him. And it looks like he is spiteful the rest of the night. It's the lip gloss that he's got on. Oh, I know. That, that really makes it look stand out. But Tony Schiavone of the Phantom of the Opera is the story I want. WCW <laughs> closes down. Tony Schiavone can't take it. Just moves into the rafters of center stage in Atlanta. Just, be fantastic. Wouldn't it be great if it was him like doing this the Sting promo for the the two K what was it fifteen sixteen whatever he was in and, it, and, and it's actually Tony Schiavone in the Sting makeup turning around like that. <laughs> turns around it's the whole chores of people with just the Phantom mask on. This is the greatest return in the history of our sport. <laughs> Tony Schiavone two K nineteen cover athlete. All the people turn around. They're all wearing mankind masks. So that'll be... <laughs> <laughs> Why? That put some butts in the seats. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so dumb. That was a slow burner. That was it was. One. I was like, well, why would they? <laughs> but Tony has got, right off the bat, um, he's got an interview with Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich. Now, Robert Gibson at this point has got the, the knee injury, which is legit. Eight um, months. Yeah. And now it's Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich are kind of thrown together to take on the Midnight Express. So, do you guys have anything really to say about that promo? Like, it's kind of like a, just a... Well, it looked like Ricky Morton had short hair. But he just had it Oh, yeah. Tail, which was a little... Which, which I was like, oh, is that Richard Morton? Are we at that point? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh no. Um, I mean, Tommy I'm... Rich is starting to look like the big Don. Yes, he is. A good point. I did not write that he's down, but now that you say it. He's away from being the Big Don. With the, he's just got the same slick back haircut. But um, that launches us in here. So, Jason, this is a pretty good opener here. You got Ricky Morton, Tom, uh, Tom I was going to say Thomas, Thomas Rich. Rich. I think, <laughs> I'm not, I can't remember. I, I forget if he joins the York Foundation, but we'll get to it. And uh, Tommy Rich versus the Midnight Express, man. Take it away. Uh, let's see here. Right from the get-go, uh, as they're coming in, Stan Lane is hardcore flirting with the lady that picks up the robes. Um, what's great is he starts walking over to her to hand his robe. He walks, and it's almost a strut, and he gets slower and slower as he gets to her. He holds her hand out for a robe and then pulls it back just a little bit, shimmies, and looks at her, and then grins and, nice. and walks away. And the thing is, it works, because as she's walking away from the ring, she turns back to watch him walk away. Magic. I'm just it, it's it's not something that's character based. I just saw that and I was like, that is fucking hilarious. That is from In the Line of Fire. That guy, I forget the screenwriter. He was like, he was watching Halloween Havoc ninety. He's like, this would be a good, this would be a good like, bit for Clint. Like I like Goldsman? it. Yeah, that maybe, is. maybe it is. Dude, I went real quick. I just watched that movie again. It I has got one movie. of the most explosive Clint Eastwood lines I've ever heard. It's one of the eight billion phone conversations he has with John Malkovich. <laughs> 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 I just rewatched that too, like a month ago. There's a ton. Oh, you're right. It's basically the whole movie. Real quick, and Jace, I, I, it's, this is real quick. He says, to, like, it's escalating, and Clint Eastwood says, "You have an appointment with my ass, motherfucker." Yeah, he loses it. <laughs> yeah. <It's>, Whoa. <laughs> I don't even know if it makes sense, but I just wanted to say that. It sounds like Eastwood would say that. <laughs> it sounds like a line of his. But it, God Almighty, it just <laughs> Frank. <laughs> 
There's a Twitter Kennedy account Brown. Wrestling Without Context. We just need a Twitter account Eastwood Without Context. There you you go. have an appointment with my ass, <laughs> motherfucker. Would be a great one. What a line. Um, Shouldn't have been from. But Minnesota. anyway, but take. Uh, keep going, man. Sorry. Uh, no, it's all right. I love being interrupted. Um, but because the match still hasn't really got on yet, because there's like three minutes of the typical old school warm up where the heels are just digging into the crowd. Because Stan gives Cornette a hug, or actually, sorry, he gives him a double high five. Then Morton and Rich decide to copy and give a high five. Well, Eaton goes to give Cornette a hug. So Stan Lane walks over to the ref and throws up where he's going to give him a double high five. The ref looks stunned for a second, goes for it, and then Stan Lane just fucks him off and just walks away. And, like, the crowd is immediately into this because this is Chicago. So this is a heel town. And you've got the Midnight Express against half the Rock and Roll Express, unfortunately. Um... But it's just good. Paulie gets right into it. He said, why would Ricky Morton pick Tommy Rich for his partner? We all know rednecks can't rock and roll. <laughs> all over him, right off the bat. Um, it's just, and then <laughs> looks to JR says, do they rock and roll in Oklahoma? And the Jim Ross's response, of course they rock and roll in Oklahoma. It was just like, just so stupid. You know, we're not quite at... Uh, it's the good kind of stupid because we're not quite at former weatherman. What's his face? I've already forgot his name as much shit as we gave him last time. I feel bad. Oh, Bob Cottle. <laughs> Bob Cottle. Yes. Um, but you can tell this is early. I mean, like, obviously it's early in, in their working relationship because there's a lot of time during the night that there's 10 plus seconds of silence between the commentators, which is really strange considering it's Paul Heyman and Jim Ross. And I know it's early. In both their careers, but still, it's kind of weird. Um, it's because Jim Ross is but, looking up their college majors of the wrestlers in the ring. Like, I got to figure this out. Yeah, three point seven eight. I swear, I think Luger's GPA dropped. <laughs> it was from the last show. Because I remember Will going. That's not hard to get. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Luger theater man. Luger got retroactively more stupid in the span of one show. <laughs> <laughs> or Jim Ross started spending more time with him. He actually had a conversation. He goes, maybe I should shave off. I'm sorry. Sports management is <clears throat> not physics. No. I, I'm... <laughs> it's not? I, I'm just saying, like, in terms of difficulty here. Like, I mean, it's theater majors, no. yes. I know we have an easy track, but there are a lot of things that are an easy track in college. Yes. But anyway, uh, anyway. I majored is it. Uh, there's a, a lot of corner work in this match. Like early on, you'd think it's a big show match, much as people are in the fucking corner. Um, but it's as it's it's good because it's a slow build before the heat starts going in. So it's it's good. They're not balls to the wall right from the get go. The the history between the majority of people in this match doesn't need it to be. Um, the crisscross happens now. When I was a kid, I loved the crisscross. It was super exciting. The back and forth, back and forth. Now I watch it. It's like it's so dumb. You hear about all the old timers. All right, ten count. Exposes the business. The crisscross exposes the business. It's stu- We're supposed to be fighting each other, but let's run back and forth and barely miss one another? No. The ropes um, are so strong that they just keep throwing them into the other ropes. <laughs> I mean, that's that's <laughs> no what I think. Uh, but uh, Bobby Eaton is so fucking technical in this match. Um, and then compared to Stan Lane, Stan Lane's more aggressive and is more vicious. And then, um, and then when Bobby gets... Uh, Ricky Morton on the outside, man, he just starts tearing him up. It's like a role reversal where he has him laid down. Like, it's weird. You're already on the mat. He's kind of kicked you and slammed you on the mat outside and goes for an eye rake, which, as everyone knows, moves hurt a lot more outside, even eye rakes. Uh, 
It's pretty good. The rocket launcher on the ramp at one spot looks like that hurt like hell. Because the sound was just a thud. Not even like a bounce. It was just a thud. It is, um, yeah. You're right. Yeah. And then Ricky Morton hits the Bob KO. Uh, I forgot what the... Because he comes out, like, I think he jumps over the rope and looks like he's doing, like, a cutter yeah. almost on somebody. Uh, I couldn't remember why I wrote that note because this is from last week. Uh, during this match, though... And it's, it's the typical Rock and Roll Express match. Ricky Orton's the one that gets worked over and then gets the gets the hot tag to, to Robert Gibson. But it's like Tommy Rich doesn't come into this match until like the last two minutes. And when he does, he's covered in so much sweat. Like you'd have thought he'd have been in there from moment one because Cornette, Eaton, Morton, and Stan Lane are all fucking working their ass off. And he's just over there clapping. And it's just it's oh, and his thes press is lifeless, like lifeless. I know we're we're used to seeing Austin do it, and, and you know I've seen some other people do it, and it looks a lot better. He literally looks like he meanders and lays on them, um, and then goes for a pin. And then for some reason, here come the Southern boys, dressed like Jim Cornette on Easter, um, which was kind of confusing to the crowd for a second. <coughs> Excuse me, they start a little, you know, throw a little thing. Right, uh, Tommy Rich gets to hit somebody with a racket, and the match is over. <laughs> kind of ruins a, a pretty good match for me. Um, but Chicago, the Chicago crowd, they're really into when Orton is fighting the members of the Midnight Express. There's just there's so much boo and there's so much cheering. They're really invested, and then Tommy Rich gets in there, and and it's not because oh, I'm making fun of Tommy Rich. There seems to just be a lot of the air taken out of the match. Um, but as I said earlier, it's still the Rock, Midnight Express versus one half the Rock and Roll Express. I like this enough to give it a 6.5. Go for it, man. <clears throat> Not much else to add to that. Uh, the, the one thing I'll say that Jason didn't bring up was and Bobby Eaton does a fantastic backbreaker off the ropes. Do you remember that? He like he kind of yeah. turns him in midair. And, oh, I was just, I'd never seen that move before, like, I want to say 1999. <laughs> So to see that move in the early, I'm 90s, really excited because I think we're about to see him go off on a singles run where he gets the TV title for a bit, sets up Austin. It's just not what I remember from Bobby Eaton. Let me ask you real quick: Do you th- if there was a triple threat match? It was a triple threat. Le- first one to do the leg drop off the top rope match between him, Fandango, and Psychosis. Who do you think's coming out of that one ahead? Oh, well, Psychosis. Fandango usually misses, as I recall. <laughs> but that what an awful finisher that. altogether. Like. But beautiful Bobby's is so man, good. I, 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 it looks so good for a guy who does not look like a high flyer. At not at all. all. But man, it looks good. That move was so damn cool. The rocket launcher on the ramp. Yep, wrote that down too. I was like, man, that didn't look good. Um, like like seeing the ace crusher. I guess is what you would call it now. Um, and I have Southern boys with rackets. I, I didn't really care. I gave this a six and a half too, though. This was a pretty fun match. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I. I put mine at a six, but that it's really like I'm I'm pretty much there with you guys. Like I, I love this as an opener. I did too. Really did, because uh, Ricky Morton does. If there's anything he does really well, it's just get heat. <laughs> he builds heat for the hot tag, and I'm gonna be. There's two things I'm attaching to the end of this show. One is gonna be Jim Cornette talking about this because he talks about how they had a they were curtain jerking this and that they had to they pushed it. And, and I think they succeeded in being able to push really hard in this first match to really 
you know, put together a hell of a, a match. So arg- this was legitimately the first match on the card. Yeah, because okay. uh, well, those mm. other two I mentioned, the Horowitz and the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the the alliteration match, those are dark matches, legit, like legit dark okay. matches. So, but yeah, man, this thing's great. Twenty forty nine does not feel that long compared to twenty forty nine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a Blade Runner type of affair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, um, but yeah, I the the leg drop from the top is what I just was so impressed with because I hadn't seen it in a while because I hadn't seen a, a Bobby Eaton match, but it looks just so good. And there are guys today I know that are that will do a leg drop from the top, and it just and they're in much better shape, and they're younger, and it still doesn't look as good as his. His just looked like it never looked like he was out of place doing it, like he missed his mark or whatever. No. It looks really good. Because I've seen a guy, I've been at a show where a guy did a, he did a, a, a twisting, he did a twisting leg drop from the top rope. And he sat on a guy's head and gave him a concussion. Of course he did. Yeah, and, it's and, a stupid move. Yeah, it, I don't, I saw this move where this guy did a slingshot into a, a DDT. He did a slingshot, like, twist in the air, lands on the guy and does a DDT. And I was like. That's <laughs> one of the most. Like TNA sounding moves I've ever heard. And and like the this was a I think it was a I think it was a gif on Twitter and like everybody was wetting their pants over it and I was like It's just flat It's just a DDT. It's just a DDT. End. Which by the way, we're gonna talk about tonight how like the the instant replay betrays every DDT in this show. Every one of them. But yeah, moving on from it, yeah, totally give it a six. Good, good open. I think uh there are two matches on here. This is one of them that Meltzer gives like a three and a half or more. This is one of them. He gives a three and a half, I think. So now let's go to the most memorable part of this show. This is, uh, we're just going to have to do this bit by bit here. Yep. So first, it's the Stinger with Tony Schiavone. The with crowd the Phantom. Is, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the Stinger with a Phantom. Phantom Schiavone. <laughs> I'm doing the, the video again. He's the Phantom of the Havoc. The Phantom of the Havoc. <laughs> Oh, the the Phantom of the Pavilion. <laughs> there we go. All right, so he Stinger's with him, and kind of like a few of the other Sting promos we've seen, it's all over the place. Sting is, and what I love is that he's so excited that he is, you know, his butt's gonna overload as you know what. I mean, his, his mouth's gonna. Oh, I'm just but so it, excited. I mean, like, I, and I and I get it's a great it. cover, and maybe it's because like I love Sting so much, like I kind of forgive him. But like it's it, it's totally fine with me. But he's taking on Sid, and what Tony's talking about is like you've got Sid Vicious, you're wrestling him for the defending your world title against him, and then you've also got the crap of the Black Scorpion. Like you know how how are you mentally and everything? And clearly you literally he seems scattered, which is awesome because that's how it you know in kayfabe that's how. But he's in high spirits. <laughs> he's in very high spirits about it. <laughs> and then like in. What I love is that I don't know if you guys noticed this. It felt like he he thought the Q word was something, and like because he keeps saying something over, and I forget if it was Black Scorpion. Oh, like a buzzword, like yeah, like for him to, to, to pick for up the on. bit to pick. Right, Mike, I gotta get out there. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Who am I? Sorry. Dwayne Scorpion was on the was on the toilet a little too long. Oh God. Oh, I gotta get out there. Too many baby roots. We're out of time. But anyway, we... wait, wait a minute. Baby, did Baby Roost give you the food, Charlie? Were you eating Baby Roost before you went and started farting up Will's house? I'm not doing it! <laughs> so the Black Scorpion starts. Sting. 
Standing. Standing. It's Vince McMahon. It's doing my number one. A guy. It's, it's, it's Jack Palance wearing a Vince McMahon mask and using a Vince McMahon voice modulator. Oh <laughs> Jesus. I didn't know Vince McMahon could do a one-arm push-up. This is the looper that Ryan Johnson really had conceived. <laughs> All right, so Black Scorpion just starts kind of taunting Sting, and then... Here we go. He, he he takes like just a female fan, and kidnaps her only to the other side of the stage. Right, where there's a where there's a cage. Where the, kind of a, like a, it's like a shower curtain with some PVC piping or whatever, and he goes behind there. Stinger's like, well, hell yeah, man, I'll intervene. The referees are like, not so fast. Uh, yeah, was, <laughs> why are they stopping him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, why aren't the refs helping him? Is, is, is Gerard coming on the scene? All right. <laughs> We gotta go for. <laughs> so Sting illegally bought that prostitute off the internet. You can't stop it. Well, then, like, what is it like? The so the, Sting the get, she, eventually yeah. the refs are like, well, you know what? Go take a look. Doesn't for Sting us. keep his robe on the whole yes, time? Sting had, <laughs> Sting's got on his dude bathrobe. And he just came back from Ralph's with a milk, and he rolls over to the to the curtain to the shower, the makeshift shower, and like a little bit of pyro smoke bullshit goes off, and they're not there. But then, but then, like, and aha! I love, what I love is that we're at just one angle, the wide. Right. The whole time. And we come back, and now we've got the Black Scorpion and the abducted fan on the other side of the stage. And then this is where it's funny. It's like Sting starts to go on the intercept, and then the Black Scorpion's like, you know what? I'm done holding you hostage. And she, I'm out of ideas. She jumps off the stage into the arms of the Stinger. I know, I heard that too. See? Aha. Uh -huh. That. He he is a snoring sleeping dog. Anyway, all right. Anyway, um, she jumps into his arms, and the black scorpion escapes, and everybody is really confused. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's just in character they're confused. Well, because they even go down to Paul Heyman and, and Jr. and they're just like, "Well, that was probably a crime of some <laughs> of some sort." And then they just go like to the next match. This is where I was saying. I don't know if the stage was already in trouble, but the WCW logo is sinking. Like, it is definitely tilted badly. And I'm not sure if it was from this segment or if it was like that before. I need to go back and look at it. But there is a reason. This is like... Well, the whole thing looked kind of cheap because the curtain oh, yeah. goes up, the curtain goes down, oh, Black shit, Scorpion's man. gone. I'm pretty sure when the curtain went up, he just Let, let me pull this up because Philip Goad said he, he's had a note about that for us. And he said that that dude... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it... Oh, crap, it's right here. Okay. Franz Haray, Haray or whatever, he's the guy who was behind this. He made the space shuttle disappear. So, like, he had a le they had a legit magician working this out. We don't have enough money for Copperfield, so, uh... What's your name, Frank? Come on in. <laughs> oh, you made the space shuttle. Because I was wondering the whole time watching this, so I was like, so the people on the other side of the hard opposite hard cam oh. shot or whatever shot this is, they can just see the black scorpion get out, walk around behind the stage. <laughs> What's really bizarre is that this is it for the black scorpion on this show. I think he was arrested. Because <laughs> he did kidnap a woman. <laughs> or, a, or a child. I couldn't Wouldn't it be great if it was just like the fugitive? They have him in the costume, in the interrogation room, and they say, I didn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> the black... 
<laughs> gotta, gotta do that hand act. Yeah. Harrison does. Are you suggesting that I abducted a fan? <laughs> <laughs> that I grabbed her against her will and hit her behind a curtain? <laughs> well, we got ourselves a skate black scorpion. <laughs> you search it backstage, center stage, upstage, there it is. Well done, Jason. That's it. <laughs> what, what, what kind of makeup did Sting have on? You know, <laughs> like what, what color was his hair? Oh God! <laughs> and the guy who actually kidnapped her is Bob Orton because it was the one arm man. It's the closest I could get to the one arm man, Bob Orton. <laughs> How will we know him? He's been wearing a cast for four. Hours. <laughs> For four decades, this guy has had a broken arm. Anyway, so that bit, I mean, that thing is why. I mean, it's, it's honestly what this show is known for, is that I think more than anything else. That's very memorable. It's very memorable. It's, I think even when I remember, I remember, I didn't see it when you saw it, Jason. I swear I probably saw it like maybe a year later, like uh, I got it from Blockbuster Home Video or whatever. And I remember even thinking, then I was like, what's going on here? Because I didn't watch like a lot of WWE at the time. I would start after that, but I was like, what's going on here? But anyway, all right, so to, um, Jim Ross and, and Polly Dangerously, I should call him Polly Dangerous. I shouldn't call him Polly I know, Dangerous. I can't help it. But anyway, they're, they're, they're a little confused themselves, but uh, they quickly are moving on from things. They go back they to... They recover quickly. They go back to the Phantom, who's with uh, the Horseman. Uh, it's Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, Sid Vicious, and Arn looks awesome because he has on like his... Like his reading glasses, it looks like, from backstage with his trunks. <laughs> his old man glasses. Man. This is why Arn has always looked old to me. Yeah. I want that crew, that crew WCW t-shirt, though. Oh, that yeah. That would be a badass shirt, just especially for us. Wait, wasn't you but this is the after man? a whole uh, the Freebirds match. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, he, bless Arn's heart, he has this line that I just, I've written it down, maybe so we can kind of hash this out. All men, no strings attached. Is what he's talking about <laughs> with them against Doom tonight. He says, oh, man, no strings attached. Huh. Out of context, it's... All right. No, he always looks like he's wrestling in his underwear. <laughs> and then, like, he has this line, the life you save may be your own. I was like, because I remember the Flannery O'Connor story, and I was like, what the... What are we... What are we talking about? And then Flair is okay. It's okay because once you bring Flair, Flair's in, fine. Flair's just gonna balance this thing out quickly. And then when you really want to add a little bit of hot sauce to this thing, you let Sid close. <laughs> Sid is yelling a, from behind the Phantom. It, ten feet away. It, 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 Sid's promo makes me think like, does he even really need you guys? Because he it seems, seems like, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it seems a little dumb. <laughs> I'm just saying. But anyway, all right, so now we, um, oh, crap. Yeah, we yeah, tried I, to tell you, I, but it's cool. All right. Let's, let's, let's. I'd forget this match, too, <laughs> for being okay. honest. I apologize. <laughs> no, you're good. Well, all right, so we've mentioned this once, but let's, let's, I went ahead in my notes. I apologize. We do go to a match number two, because I was, I was like, man, I think I have Steiners and Nassies, but anyway, Charlie, you got the, the, thanks a lot. <laughs> The, yeah, the, thanks a lot. You gave me the worst match on the card. We're the Renegade Warriors, aka Tatanka Deuce, versus Fabulous the Fabulous uh, Freebirds with Litter, Little Richard Marley. Little Richard Marley, huh? Okay, let me write that down real quick. <laughs> All right, because I heard his name one time, and it was because Jr. said it, and then for for whatever reason, Jr. just forgot. He just forgot his name, he just, so he started calling him Little Richard. 
He just kept calling him Little Richard. And I think it's just because Little something, yeah, he's black, Little Richard. How about that? It just sounded very not not good. Did it sound more or less racist than Bo Bridges saying the black fella from Jerry Maguire? Less. Less? Th- okay. th- that will always be one of the yeah. most racist things yeah. I've ever it, heard. <laughs> the black fella. <laughs> um, the, the ripping off of Jake Roberts' uh, DDT and the way he does it is it's in full force here. Mm-hmm. With a DDT chant, you actually hear, and this is interesting because of what happens later. I think it's. I think Jr. says it. He says no one pulls off the DDT. Oh yeah, terrible. Like, which is funny because <laughs> on this very show they say the same thing later on in, the, yeah. in, in another match. So that's kind of hard to watch. Uh, what is this? Oh, I have no idea. Free. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Jr. put uh, the Freebirds do the DDT better than everyone else. Um, J- Paul Heyman. Paulie dangerously. He JR says he does a John Lovitz impression. Yeah. But it's one of those times where JR tries to make a reference to pop culture and mispronounces the name and he calls him John Lovett. Yeah. And and, and Paulie is legitimately confused. <laughs> like John Lovett. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So then we see the DDT from uh, Michael Hayes and it looks really good. It looks great. And then they replay it. <laughs> and it looks like complete dog shit. <laughs> they picked the worst angle. Yeah. And because it's a great finish. It was yeah. that was actually one of my favorite finishes to do with toys. It was like, oh, he's got him. Oh, he's trying to get him the sunset flip, and then the other guy comes out. You had a couple warrior. renegade warrior toys, huh? I, I've never even heard of these fights. Like, <laughs> like how like, you have not mentioned them. You're no. like, fuck, oh, fuck I don't even give a shit about them. Like, because it made me think. Okay, there was the ultimate warrior, and then there was the <laughs> renegade that ripped him off. But before. All of that, there were the renegade warriors. And they come out looking basically like the head shrinkers retarded children. And what wh- Jesus. What? What what who are these guys? I, that was an audible guess. <laughs> <laughs> My God. I don't give a rat's ass. They're terrible. <laughs> I, I thought they looked kinda like, you know, Native American men on a mission. Native were they Native American? They, Yes, I don't. Didn't, yeah. Their names are Young Blood. I did not catch their name. What was their name? <laughs> Young Blood and it's all right. Their names are I, 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 Strong I Blood. I didn't put them in my note notes, but Jason, no. do, do you have do, do you have their name? No, wait, let me look. No, these are no, because I have I have only one note about. Yeah, you didn't write it. I wrote those are my wrong notes. Yeah, those are from Clash. But anyway, no, nah, it's uh, jeez, you threw what? me out. <laughs> What's the problem here? Like, so, <laughs> tell me what the issue is. What, I don't see what makes these guys renegades, nor do I see what makes them warriors. So, like, like Tataka's more of a, a Native American wrestler than these guys. Like, I, I, I fuck this? you for trying to make me feel bad. I don't feel bad at all. These guys suck. They had that DDT coming. The Freebirds kicked. And, and you have the Freebirds who have this this somewhat racist gimmick, and, and it doesn't come into play. <laughs> He put up quotations. Well, this is a much more neutered version of the Freebirds. You have to admit that. Oh God, they look this awful here. I don't even know what they're. I don't even know what the sequins. Uh, I don't get it. What what is that? What is it that Michael Hayes is wearing? Well, it's like suspenders with no shirt on underneath it. <laughs> it's always a good look. That's hot. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Um. Got it. I. If you can't tell, I hated this match. This is a four out of ten. 
That high, huh? That high. <laughs> Jason, pl- do you have some? Do you please tell me you have some news about the Renegade Wars other than? <laughs> got, Go ahead. Got incensed. Quote me. I'm standing by it. <laughs> uh, the views and opinions of Charlie Stabile are his own and not representative of the Blood Rising Podcast. Please send all your complaints to P.O. Box. Go fuck yourself. Went to Illinois. Um, I feel how I feel. <laughs> I was just yes, reading I it. I voted for um, Kasich. Okay, so. <laughs> Apparently, Charlie is fighting uh, farting nitro, and y'all are on the laughing gas there. Uh, all right. So here's what we got. The one note I have on the Renegade Warriors is you got to love a wrestler that brings a prop to the ring. When he starts beating on that drum to try to get the crowd behind the Renegade Warriors... And it's just boom, 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 boom. He doesn't even finish like a full rotation before he realizes this isn't working, and he sets it down. About to say, I One. blocked that completely out of my mind. <laughs> I don't remember them coming out with a drum. <laughs> oh yeah, but because that's it's not important. <laughs> um, what what is important though, and I'm just saying that it's not important at all. But uh, you know how like we were talking since episode one of this season, that there's just something that feels off about the Freebirds, not just looking at them from 2018 eyes, but the way things seem to be around there. So I went and did some some research. research. Oh, I hear a pop-top. Um, so uh, could it be that part of this connect that, that kind of really there for the Freebirds is that this is ni- it's 1990, so we're one year away from September of 91, where Nevermind came out, all the grunge stuff started building up. But it was already there because Sonic Youth already had the album. Soundgarden already had their first album. Alice well, so did Mudhoney. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where I'm getting is there's a lot of stuff building. And Pearl Jam was already there. Mother Love was on their way. Mother Love Bone and all that stuff. So there's already that transition growing with people kind of being... They're not through with hair metal and stuff because it's still going to be around for a little bit. But they're, they're just looking for something else and there's a disconnect. And the thing is with the Freebirds, is they ha- like they can't decide what kind of rock and roll they are. Are they like the late '70s and '38 special kind of Southern rock? But they also come out all sequin with their half-ass makeup. Are they glam rock? They can't commit to one. So I think <clears throat> that's part of with the change attitudes coming towards music and the Freebirds' overall lack of commitment to whatever the fuck they are. I, I think that's where it is. Um, and Michael P.S. Hayes decided to dress as Jim for Halloween with his white and pink hair with his one eye makeup. It's really, really gross. Now to the to the notes from the match, Paulie dangerously says that the Freebirds are going to beat the Renegade Warriors and then they can both go back to basket weaving school. <laughs> the Freebirds? <laughs> no. Uh, that would be great. Uh Bad Street <laughs> I'm just sitting there on the side of Charleston. Michael PSA sent to a gullah woman on the bad street while he's weaving a basket. That would be pretty funny. Um, but at some point, there is some actually good stuff in here because this Chicago again. They really like the heels. The Freebirds have rest, uh, you know, have history. They're behind them. The Freebirds get a lot of just good pops. And there's the point where uh, Terry Gordy rolls up one of the the renegade warriors into a sunset flip, but he's like, Oh, I'm going to be smart. And he carries the momentum right out of it. And Michael Hayes just punches him square in the forehead with a little quick left jab that the dude sold so well 
because I don't think it was a sell, that a left jab made the replays. I, I know we said there's not a lot to this match, but when a left hit gets it, um, and people are really into that. The the initial look at the finish was really good because this crowd calls for the DDT like it's the fucking 3D. It's like they almost see it coming. You hear the crowd go, DDT, and they just land it. And then I had it too. It's like, that's the... You're doing a replay, so it's not like it's a camera angle in the heat of the moment. Why the fuck are you showing a not contact for this in slow motion for that finish? It really, really bothered me. But match skill gets a four for me, just like Charlie. Yeah, the DDT is the most over thing in this match. Uh, it's and I I love watching the Freebirds because they are not they don't intend to be uh, the faces in this match, but. They become them because Mark and Chris Youngblood clearly have the charisma of a sedimentary rock, and unfortunately, just have no, just no connection with the crowd whatsoever. And yeah, they they, for to Ross's credit, they try to like just just harp on the Freebirds for taking out uh, Robert Gibson's knee, uh, and then uh, forgetting the dude they took out for the Renegade Warriors. It's it's another. It's like one the, of them. Like was it the uncle? I forget his name. Sika, <laughs> Sika, but no, like they, <laughs> they try it. They they try their best, but it. This match is shorter. It's seventeen twenty eight, and yet it feels five minutes longer than the opener. Yeah, <clears throat> but, but yeah, um, I think pretty much. Um, you guys hit on the majority of the notes. I think it was really just like uh, again, like I was just so. <laughs> I hated the the replay just. Clearly showing, because you're right. When you watch it in f- normal speed, it's like, great. what a cool finish. And then it's like, oh no. I and I'll admit, like when I first reviewed this f- four years ago or whatever this this show, I thought the Freebirds were the face going into the match. Because, I thought they were too <laughs> because the crowd was so on their side. And now after we'd seen you know Bash and Clash, but before this, it's comforting to see that Chicago has kind of always been like this. Yeah, it really is in a way. But uh, by the way, though, I was I don't typically watch the crowd. You guys are better at that. I don't focus on it as much. I did just was watching like the front row during this match. First couple rows, they never move. No, they sit there and are just utterly like just like, <laughs> and they're they're old as shit too. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of old, except for this kid who looks like Horseshoe, the WCW wrestler with his hair. He's got like oh horse oh oh no, and and. Uh, it, it's those kids in the front that seem. Are you just going to writing it down? I put a. I give it a four. All right. I, I thought know you would have forgotten. All right. You want, you want us to move along? We'll move along. I don't want to move along. I'm very interested in what you're saying. That's all right. I'm done. It's. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not that important. I. I really didn't have much. I was. I'm glad you cut me off. I, I need I didn't to get you off. I, I need to get moving. Uh, but anyway, we talked about the bit afterwards with Tony and the Horseman. That's what actually happens after this match. But um. Would you guys say that's probably the worst match on this card? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think Far so. and away. Yeah, definitely. So now we move into what may be the best. I'm... Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> I think it's easy. Easy. <laughs> easy. It is the Nasty Boys, who are very close to being their WrestleMania 7 form, versus the Steiner Brothers with the U.S. Tag Team titles on the line. Or maybe they don't come to the ring with them. So it's like, <laughs> we're just going to drop them off beforehand so we can just get this thing started. Because it does. The first thing I'll say is, when it is announced by Gary Michael Capetta that it's a one-hour time limit, I'm like, please yeah. let it go. Just go for an hour. 
But that means I have to hear Gary Michael Capetta, who has a very different concept of time than I do, <laughs> which I'll point out here in a, in a little bit. But yeah, just five minutes have gone by. Like, no, they haven't. <laughs> that bell literally just rang, pal. <laughs> Ten minutes. Like, oh, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what are you using? I this? haven't even you finished know. the cigarette. Ten minutes have gone by. <laughs> Give me a break. So what I love is that the Steiner's entrance, they're all business. Wow. They want to get this thing going. There's almost no connection with the crowd. They just want to get in and get rolling, and they do. Um, Scott Steiner does the most incredible reversal out of a turnbuckle spot that I've ever seen. Which it, one was this? He is up. So it looks like, I think it's, Sags or Knobs has him set up for almost like a superplex. And like he's like, no. And does this remarkable almost like flip out of it. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like, you know, punch, 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 and Knobs gets down and they battle down. Right. No, he's like, oh, I'm going to flip out of it. I got an idea for this. And he does. And then he turns that into ah. that top row belly to belly. Which that shit. Yeah. Is in, it, it's just a great spot. Um, we get the top row bulldog. We finally got to, we got to see them do that. Another so signature cool. that they've added, which is an, uh, could be a finisher at the same time. Uh, I think it's an, what a choice to have Scott be the guy who gets the heat. Usually, like you would think, just based on like uh, the connection or how the announce team builds up Scott Steiner, that he would be the guy who's getting the hot tag. In this case, they do something really cool, and they have him, you know, take the heat in this match for a lot of it. And the Nasty Boys, to their credit, uh, they're not known for being great wrestlers, but they're very creative in how they keep cutting off Scott Steiner from getting the tag, and that's really cool because. That's all a tag match has to do. You could do nothing else, but if you just have a convincing build toward the hot tag, the crowd is invested. Because the second that tag is made, everybody should I come invested. And it is Man. Sags breaks out a salto and a pump handle slam. I've ne- I don't remember him in WWF doing any of these moves. I don't. Maybe he did. I don't did. remember I don't... him doing moves at all. Yeah. I mean, they that did they have a name for the, the, the nasty splash or whatever? <laughs> I bet that was it. <laughs> the, the stinger splash, nasty splash, the, the one where like they would slingshot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that move. Whatever. Yeah. It's <laughs> a terrible name for it. Yeah, baby. I do. I wrote that this match is a colossal fuck you to traditional tag team wrestling because they're just <laughs> just coming it's in full force. There, there are times where there should be a hot tag, and it's like, nope, we're just gonna come in and just start fighting. I think Rick. You know, it's it's called the Steiner line, but I think his if his if his middle name was the Larry, I think it would be more appropriate. How about that, that spot brutal. where he's on the top rope or the middle rope, and the Nasties are like turned around, or they're they're looking at Scott on the other yeah. side of the ring. I'm coming. One of them turns around, the other one doesn't. <laughs> I'm not waiting. <laughs> Boom. Uh, bam. Uh, Rick Steiner does a chair shot to Sags that is oh, ugly. It's a hard way. Yeah, it is a very hard way. <laughs> Is he bleeding from the back of his head? Well, the funny thing is that they go, oh, Sags is bleeding, and, and it's right as Sags is making a tag, and I'm like, I don't see any blood. And then sure enough, when Sags gets tagged back in, <laughs> it's oh, yeah. all over. Is it is it on the top I think it's or on the, the back? Okay. I think it's on the top. Because I was like, that's, yeah. yeah. It looked awful. Um, but it added to the match so much. <laughs> and then to cap it all off, I, I really did label this the, are you freaking kidding me, Frankensteiner? Because the heart, they, they, the angle they use is the hard cam. When he's he literally jumps the second knobs is free of his Irish whip. That's what makes it the Frankensteiner. And 
when they show the replay, the, the replay kind of like takes away the mystique because you see Nobs jump into it, but thank God it's he did. Still, I, it looks incredible. And of course, I, I told you, he, yeah, he does the yeah. does that little pose afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> this match is awesome. It's incredible, and uh, you know, like that that Frankenstein,er and, and just constantly seeing that move now. Like we've seen it like three times, I believe, at this point. No, it's, we've seen it twice. Twice, yeah. twice, but. It really is. I forget who said it on Twitter, but I, I'm almost I'm almost convinced it might be the best finisher of the time period. It it's it, it, it's. We said the DDT was more over in that match. The Frankensteiner may be the one of the. It, if you're ranking the things that are most over in WCW character or move, that may be higher than Sting. How it's that much of an attraction? How does he do that move safely? I don't think he does, but they, he keeps doing it that same way where it looks like. He's basically it looks like a super pile driver. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's another way I can say it. it. Looks like the head gets spiked every single time. Um, Fifteen twenty four is where this match goes. I give it a seven. I may be even underrating it a little bit, but I just I'm, tr I'm trying to keep things a little bit more in perspective. But I love this match. Not I. Oh okay. All right. But any, I, I um, uh, my last few notes about this. Stein, what I love about Steiner Brothers matches is that they're not cookie cutter. They're not designed with like, oh, they have to get in these, this signature, then this one, finish. It's like any one of these moves could be the finish. And that makes it really fun uh, to watch. So I'm not going to get into the stuff right after the thing. I'll let you guys go and get in your stuff here. And if you want to mention what happens after the bell, by all means. Uh, Jason, what did you think of this one? I love this match. Like, because it is balls to the fucking wall intense when i'm you, seeing a team named the nasty boys and then they're going up against the steiner this starts off exactly like i want no headlocks no test the strength it is fuck you because this match is in high gear right from the get-go and that's for the wrestlers and the crowd like the crowd being right in on it right from uh, at, at jump is great Scott Steiner tossing around dudes as big as the Nasty Boys like it, they're nothing. It's so fuck. I mean, I know it's Scott Steiner, but he's not gigantic peaks on top of peaks on top of peaks. Scott Steiner at this point. But it looks amazing. The underhook slams he's given to these guys left and right. Uh, I fucking love it. Because at the beginning, the Steiners are using wrestling maneuvers while the Nasty Boys are brawling. And it's good and because it's that's how it should be um but then they keep reinforcing the contract signing which i didn't realize contract signings were a thing in 1990 where the nasties put scott steiner through the table and so then at it's like like almost like they gave them okay at this point in the match remember to bring this up because that's right after that's when they really start focusing on scott's lower back and they keep bringing up that he hurt his lower back then and that was the nasty boys game plan the whole time was to work the back First of all, the Nasty Boys have a strategy. That's so to me. Um, it's a sound strategy, and it's a good strategy. Um, Jim Ross goes into let's care about these guys outside the ring. He tells us all that, that Rick and Scott's mom and pop were nice middle-class people. <laughs> I think it's in reference to the uh, playing. Oh, well, the Nasty Boys don't like the Steiners because... They had to, like, it's weird. He says the Nasty Boys had to pay to go to college where the Steiners' parents afford to pay him, and that's when Jim Ross cuts them off. No, they went on athletic scholarships, and I was just like, oh, first of all, the Nasty Boys in college is the sitcom I want to see. Um, 
It's a different world. <laughs> it's a nasty world. <laughs> yeah, baby! Sinbad <laughs> taking the pit stuff. Yeah, he's taking the pit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Kadeem Hardison is the Jimmy Hart of them. <laughs> hey, baby! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just cracking up of, of like Kadeem Harrison still with the the glasses, but in yes. Jimmy Harrison jacket with yeah. the bullhorn. Um, <laughs> the, the Rick Steiner's I, I have it here. Rick Steiner Steiner line equals death because I think it's Skaggs that takes it to the back of the head. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like you've already busted his head open. Now break his fucking neck. Um, it's just oh man, uh, the Frankensteiner looks scary as shit to begin with and then when they cut back from the side again let's ruin the magic pov it looks like knobs is like in mid spear <laughs> it's like oh shit when he does it and you can see rick's face or excuse me scott's face in that replay because he had to roll in a weird way to make sure knobs went all the way over and you can just see him go oh my back as he gets up and transitions right into his little yeah um it was a hoot uh just I'm just laughing. Um, the match itself, when the match is finally over, it, it's well, not finally over. This is one of the ones I think could have gone on a little bit more, and it still would have been been great. I give this match a seven and a half. Um, going to it now. The stuff that happened after this is when I started looking up. Something's weird because the ma- nasty boys are masters of disguise. If he could, I know it's just a wig, a t-shirt, and an apron, but if Skaggs can put that on that quick, those dudes are talented before a concessionaire wanders into the interview section and who knew Scott Steiner could be taken out with a barrel full of soda. I was, cause like, I, I thought it was an interesting choice that they go right back to attacking the raft of the bells. Like, Oh wow. So gotta get that heat back. And then like, yeah. what's funny is like, of course, knowing the future, it's like, Oh man, this thing's, this thing is far from over. And the nasty cells is far from over. No, it's over. Why? Because the Nasty Boys are the WCW forgets about them. They don't resign them, and they leave to go to the WWF in December. Right. So as Philip said, they essentially did a TNA. They forgot to resign them. <laughs> Oops. Oh. But yeah, Jay, I remember, and and I think even four years ago when I watched this show, and I didn't, obviously being the first show I'd ever reviewed for a podcast, I didn't think about you know, I I just wasn't thinking about review, taking into account the whole totality of things and thinking about like, hmm, it's kind of weird why. He's, Sags all of a sudden has got his uh he's got this a lot like not just elaborate guys like the fact that he was able to get away from the beatdown on Rick Steiner long enough to get like this pre-planned <laughs> thing on yeah. and the look on his face that you can barely see through the wig is like ah, I got him in the bathroom <laughs> Old Phantom Shivani doesn't know how to give anybody a heads up. He doesn't tell Sting the Black Scorpions behind him. He doesn't tell Scott Steiner he's about to be well, hit in the head. His vision's kind of obscured. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Mirror Universe Tony Shivani. He's the bad one. He's, he's the bitter. Like, he's so bitter. He's like everybody else took the costume off and not me. Well, not, is he Bret Hart? <laughs> Bret Hart's the he's Phantom of Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> Even Chapata, who's dressed like a ringmaster, decided to not wear the top hat anymore. This is bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Good call. Seven. You said seven and a half, Jason. Is that right? Yes, yeah, seven and a half. Cool. Cool. Did you like this? 
Oh, I love this. This, oh. is, a, this oh, is good. A great, great man. Well, do tell. I will. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna enjoy myself here. All right. So Scott Stuck. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> uh, I thought this was interesting. Scott Steiner did a Pearl River plunge. Yeah. But why he didn't let the ref count is what really confused me because because the Pearl River plunge you have to sit down. And, you know, for the cover, and then as soon as he did it, he just let it go. Yeah. Like, that's Do you remember Revenge? He they gave him the release. One of the that release. Too. They gave him the release. Pearl River Plunge. So too. I have. I think. I know he's done this move before, but I've never seen it. Where can I find Scott Steiner doing the Steiner screwdriver? <sighs> I don't. What's that? What? What? What is that? See, one? the only reason I even heard of that move—that's the move, Jason, where he he lifts him up for a suplex and then drives him into turns a pile it, driver. He turns it into an Owen Hart pile driver. Oh yeah. And, and when I first heard of it, it was revenge. Because it was like, I wonder what Scott Steiner's front strong move is. And I saw it, I was like, what the fuck was that? Because in the game, it looks like death. It does. <laughs> I don't need that, that sissy uh, submission move. Like, I don't need that Frankensteiner now. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, wasn't that also one of Petey Williams' stories? Yeah. He's like, how do you want to finish the match tonight? Steiner screwdriver! <laughs> Scott, you haven't done that move in 20 years. <laughs> I can't remember when he starts that. And it may not, I don't know, it may be soon... I, I can't remember if he does in WWF at all when they go there in a few years. I can't remember. But anyway, go ahead. Well, it's interesting because the, the Nasties, I don't really think of them like as these types of wrestlers, but uh, they kind of get a little scientific in the match. They have this overarching thread with Scott Steiner's back. Yeah. They're trying, it, they, they spend like 10 or 15 minutes working on it. Doing, doesn't seem to do any good <laughs> by the looks of that freak. Well, you're not going to work big Papa Pump, so. No, it's just, it just kind of just ruins psychology and wrestling. It's like, oh, he's working on it, he's working. Doesn't mean a thing. No. <laughs> um, I believe the Nasties do a spike pile driver. Yeah. Which looked pretty cool. I think that was, they use that in WWF, too. It becomes like a finish. Yeah. Them, I think. Um, the chemistry between these two teams is just it's off the charts. I don't remember if they ever. They didn't. I don't think they overlapped time in WWF, did they? No, I don't think so. I'm trying to remember because the Nasties, like, to me, the Nasties are kind of. I forget about them after SummerSlam 91. Yes. After they drop the tag belts, they. Because I think they become faces, which isn't very uh, not, good. No good. And I. To be honest, I, I, I can't fully answer that. I don't think they really do. Because it was like. The reason I say that is because I feel like I've seen these two teams go at it before, but I just can't remember. But I automatically knew when I, when that was the match. I was like, "This is going to be phenomenal." Yeah, I just knew it because I don't think the nasties. Well, because they're credit. stiff. Both are stiff yeah. right back at each other. Of course, the Steiners look like they're just stiff with everybody, and the nasties are like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right." I forgot how devastating Rick Steiner's Steiner line was. Um, it's it reminds me of Road Warrior Hawks clothesline. Where yeah. it looks like he's trying to take your head off, yeah. you know, and we're spinning around. The Frankensteiner, like I said, I told you this on the phone, I think figured it out. The difference between the Frankensteiner and the Hurricane Rana. Scott Steiner jumps about a second and a half too quick. I think that's the difference. The guy actually has to catch up with Scott Steiner. <laughs> <laughs> so that he doesn't break his neck. And I can't say enough about that move. Just looks incredible. Uh Everything else has been covered. This is my favorite match uh, for, on, on this show. I give this an eight. Okay. So afterwards, so just to kind of recap, so after the bell rings, almost immediately, even the Nasty's like, "You don't even get the replay. We're gonna, we're gonna 
nope, forget the replay for well, now. That's right, folks. they start replaying it. Yeah. Like, well, wait a minute. And then, then as he's uh, start attacking, now apparently this attack, they take out Rick. Yeah. And Scott is like, well, I'm going to go do an interview. I've got to try the single screen thing. And I, and I say it that way because obviously there, there, there are a couple matches that happen in between now and then. So this doesn't all happen in one motion. But according to this edit, it makes it seem like Scott's just sort of, oh, you know what? I'm going to go talk for a little bit. And it reminds me of like like Anakin Skywalker in the prequels where it's like they're hints of him becoming Darth Vader. Well, they're very much hints of Big Papa Pump coming out. He starts this. pointing. He starts pointing and he starts going to that level in his voice where it's like, hey, hey, fat ass. <laughs> Sit down, white like trash. There's blood on my there's blood on my suit, but it's not my blood. A, a blood and guts. <laughs> and and then all of a sudden, Scott, that's when he gets Pearl Harbored by Sags, dressed as a concessionist. I love Jim Ross. Is that a is that a, is that a concession concessioner, Tony? What, what's going on? That's what he says. He says a concessioner, which I was like, maybe I've been saying it wrong all these years. I don't know. Um, they destroy him. They um, uh, And again, we I, Snobs gets on there and says it isn't over. He screams like a lunatic, but in fact it is over and because they are leaving the company, <laughs> which is funny as hell. What I love after this is they go and they cut to... and this. So this is the first time we're seeing him. It's awesome that we see Polly Dangerously with the phone. Yep. Yes! It's coming. I'm so pumped. Um, but now we go into our next match. We go right, pretty much right into it, I think. And it's the World Tag Team Championship. It's Ric Flair and Arn Anderson taking on Doom. All right, Jason, what you got here? I love Doom. Um but the problem with this is we have another WCW broadcast without a TV title defense because the TV champion is involved in a world tag champion. He's like the Brock Lesnar of the TV title. Except he's always there. He's there. I just don't care. I don't even bring it out. I don't even bring it out. It's not even well, it's like it. when Dean, Dean Ambrose had the U.S. belt and he like had like two matches for it in 11 months. But he was on every fucking Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, but... What's weird is this is a heel versus heel match, um, mm-hmm. and but once it gets going, Doom are the obvious faces, which which is kind of weird dynamically, but it it works. Um, at some point, there, let's see, Flair leaves. You know, does this Flair? I I'm leaving. I'm going to get beat up on the the apron spot. But uh, I think at this point, Ron Simmons isn't the legal man. Butch Reed is. But there's no count out. Like, they don't start counting. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but Flair and Arn working together is really good. Probably some of the best tag wrestling I've seen in a while. Um, is because it makes a lot of sense. They're just frequent tags right after high-impact moves. They, they're keeping each other really close to that corner. They're cutting off any chance of Ron Simmons getting over to Butch Reed at all. Uh, just holding on to each other for leverage during submission moves. Taunt, you know, taunting Butch Reed, so he comes in to get the ref's attention. Really good stuff. And then Butch Reed kind of ruins it because that hot tag is not so hot. Mm-hmm. It just kind of, eh. Um, but Arn Anderson's DDT is uh, so much better than the Freebirds DDT. Uh, you know, thanks to the, you know, Charlie said it earlier. Jim Ross says, no one does a DDT as good as Arn Anderson, except the two people I said did it earlier, um, which is kind of weird. The... Butch Reed diving clothesline bit that he does when Arn's about to put uh, Ron Simmons in a pile driver and he jumps off the top rope and he looks like he gets completely over his fucking, he rotates in midair 
and hits Arn look, and lands on his neck. That looks pretty rough. Um, but, I mean, like, the, the point in the match that really, really stands out after everything we talked about is the spot where, for some reason, Teddy Long gets in the ring and Teddy Long slaps the dog shit out of Ric Flair. And Ric Flair looks at him like that was not on the page. That's not in the script. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. Doing? Yeah, because it's like a, the match comes to a grinding halt. Whoa, player. <laughs> yeah, like, don't worry, I'll put you in a tag match with The Undertaker in a few years. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's just, oh, my God, it was just so intense. And then this match just ends in a double mm. Um So, I mean, and I was really excited. I said, I really like Doom. I love the Horsemen. I'm a big fan of heel versus heel matches when it's done right. The only thing is, is, the logic of this is last episode of ours at the clash Ric Flair was obsessed with winning the U S championship just so he could get at the world title. But now he's okay with going after the tag team championships. He's coming for that TV right. title. Well, <laughs> what is Ric Flair's path to Starcade? Flair's <laughs> <laughs> calling out the black scorpion. He ain't going to show Mark um, Youngblood. I know you'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't through with you. Barry Horowitz. Is there a strongbow here? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Chief J. Chief. Oh. <laughs> but the just it doesn't make sense, especially. I mean, I know why Barry Wyndham's nowhere to be seen in the big. Picture. Oh, do you now? But it, when you're a kid, and and just watching this at the time, you're like, why isn't it? Rick, why isn't it Barry and Arn? Why is Rick still not going after? It still doesn't make sense. You know, I mean, I know Sid's got to get his shot, but it's like Flair to me is it's clearly the leader of the four horsemen. And I'm asking if you were the leader of a team and you want the big thing, though, are you going to let like the guy that, you know, you have no chance in hell of beating win that title? No. But I mean, like we said, logic has no place in wrestling. Uh, but even with all the gripes, I still liked it enough to give it a six. Okay. I want to. I'm gonna. I want to ask Jason a question, and then, and then when you answer, you can dive into your stuff here real quick. We said this about the Freebirds, and I kind of feel in this now that we're going through, even though we've just started this timeline, but just kind of seeing how things are unfolding. Doesn't it feel like the Horsemen are really outdated and kind of overplayed at this point? Like it doesn't feel like having the, sit in there doesn't help. It. It just. <laughs> It doesn't feel like they're this dominant thing that like they were like with the classic lineup maybe five years beforehand in the Crockett when it's it's Jim Crockett's NWA strictly and everything pre WCW. It definitely doesn't feel like it's as special as it used to be. And I just want to see J ask Jason since I you're coming at this from two angles. You you saw this during the time period and you're watching it now. Does it feel that way to you that it's not as special anymore? Um, I'm going to defer that because that's something i bring up at the last match so okay cool right on okay so it's amazing we're on the same wavelength for that <laughs> charlie do, or you can defer as well if you want to wait to talk about what jason does but oh, the, oh, the horseman stuff yeah does it yeah. feel that well i'm mean, i can talk about it now okay um because you know like when i was watching wcw like every week it was during the you know the mid to late 90s so the four horsemen for me were always what was it flair anderson Mongo and Chris Benoit. That's the horseman I'm used to. So for me, like the horsemen have always been a mainstay in WCW. 
But this version here, so it's Ric Flair, Arn, Sid, and Barry Windham. I mean, my, that is an awesome stable. Yeah. It's so good. But, of course, the, I mean, my issue with it is, why does Sid need a stable? Sid is unbelievably powerful, and he always came, came across to me as a loner. I think you're trying to... He was to, I think it's because he was green. I, I think it's strict. Maybe because he was green. I sure. bet that was the reason. Just to give him something to fall back on. Because it's not like right. it's not like right. he, he wouldn't have gone on on his own and been a huge success anyway. But yeah, sure. But outdated. I mean, other than the fact that I don't really know what it is that the Horsemen are trying to achieve, uh, like in this time period, you know, because it's like in the '80s when it was the original four, they were just trying to basically have a stronghold over the entire company, and we're going to have all the titles. And we're going to run the whole show. Like, I get that. But here, it just seems like, hey, it's something that worked before. And that's why we're going to, we're going to continue to do it. Okay. At least to me. Um, all right, so what do you think of this match? It's okay. I like seeing the double-A spine buster. JR had a line that I thought was kind of interesting, uh, which was the crowd is watching even more intently than they have all evening. He said something like that. That's complete bullshit. At least, <laughs> I mean, the crowd kind of pops for the Ric Flair getting slapped by Teddy Long thing, which even I did. I was like, whoa. And the the DDT gets a nice pop. But for the most part, people in the crowd seem pretty disinterested in this match. And that's right around when JR said that. And, uh, yeah, they were just sitting there just staring. You know, just it just looked bored as all hell. Of course, to call back to the DDT thing, yes. When Arn Anderson hits his DDT, Jr. says it's the best DDT I've ever seen. It's, you just said nobody does it better than the Freebirds, and I'm sorry, like as my, I love Arn Anderson's DDT. To me, that's it's second only to Jake Roberts. But even so, the replay, <laughs> the replay didn't necessarily show uh, that the the head didn't land, but it finally answered my question of how you do a DDT safely. He, I mean, he cradles his head just right and gets him to flip at just the right moment. It looks beautiful. Still, you know, doesn't look like he hurt him, but it, I'm, I'm glad that it showed me how he did the move. I'm like, oh, so the match, it's okay. I think it's better than Doom's match from the previous show uh, that we saw them fight in. Um, I'd give this a six and a half. I want to say something real quick on the DDT thing, just because of Jake Roberts. I read the story this morning. And I want to see if you guys heard anything about it, and I'll promise I'll get into my bit here. I'll keep this short. So Jake Robert, they're down at WrestleMania. Davy Boy Smith Jr. walks up to Jake Roberts at a convention and throws coffee at him. Because Jake had said some, I guess, not positive things about Davy Boy going back a few years. And I love it because uh, I guess Davy Boy Smith Jr. rolls up. Or I, was, I keep calling him Davy Boy Is Smith. Is it David Jr. Hart Smith? It's David Hart Smith. I'm so okay. sorry. Ah, damn it. But his, the, <laughs> Sorry, Jan. <laughs> Shit. Shit. So his son rolls up to Jake, and I guess he's like, like he wants to basically fight him. And Jake's like, fuck off. Like he, which I think is awesome that Jake just tells the British Bulldog son to fuck off. <laughs> Damn. Well, like it's, it's wild. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. It's a couple okay. months ago, Scott, yeah, Scott Hall was. Uh, somebody tweeted something about. God, who was it? It it's, was. It's Davy Boy Smith and uh, da, 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 I forget it's the Lex. Other. Lex. Well, it was Davy and Lex, and he said that you know two failed singles partners or singles wrestlers. And who like, said that? Scott Hall. Jesus. And he deleted yeah, the tweet. And, he tried to delete the tweet then, but it was too far gone. Yeah. It was already out. It, and uh, Davy's widow or daughter or somebody was like all over it. So, like, Diana. What? And Jake's daughter. Yeah. 
So what's going on with that? Yeah, I think Jake's daughter came at him. The and, one from beyond the mat? Yeah. Oh, boy. And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Take cover. <laughs> and then Diana. Yeah. It, was, it was Diana Hart who, uh, who... She wears the pants in the Smith family. Well, she's the only That's one. from the feud with Sean. Okay. Oh, okay. I was, Sean I was, said that I was about to, say, to her, and David Boy just went fucking ballistic. I know. I was. I didn't mean to burst. Don't mean to burst your bubble. Yeah, but. it did. <laughs> and I'm very upset. <laughs> but, but I, don't know, I, just, I just wanted to mention real quick since we're talking about the DDT. Uh, my thoughts on the match. Um, Doom is a Doom is a team that I remember more fondly than I think about them now. Uh, I just. And I think maybe it's a combination of Ron Simmons is pretty green at this point. Butch Reed, is. obviously we saw him work at WrestleMania 4, so Butch Reed's been around. But they they don't have a lot of offense. It's really just... And I felt bad for Butch Reed. What is this... There's this moment with him and Flair where he's crushing him with these right hands. And Flair, like, bounces off the mat, gets back up, and he's fine. Punched, oh, yeah. bounce off the ground, back up. They do this, like, five times, and then Flair finally does the Flair bump. And I'm like... This makes Butch Reed's right hands not... Like, that dude, as big as he is, if he tags Ric Flair, that man's down. Like, it's it's it kind of makes him look bad to me. I couldn't tell if Flair was selling really well for them or if he was overselling to make it look ridiculous. I, Butch, like... Butch Reed looked definitely like the weaker of the two in the match. Ron Simmons, he does that sunset from the, oh, yeah. the apron in, which looks incredible. And I love that one thing, nuances are something that Ron Simmons doesn't get a ton of credit for, whether it's Farouk or Ron Simmons, whatever. He sells very well in this match when he's getting worked by both guys, and it's really believable. Like, I was like, God dang, they're really wearing down this big dude. Which, by the way, I love hearing this, I, read, I listened to this interview with Arnie Anderson where he was like, Ron Simmons didn't go to the gym. He was just that legit big what? and that athletic. Like he's, he said he was not a gym guy at all, but he was just that gifted That's crazy. athletically. And he talked about, yeah, the Steiners used to, like, mess around. You know, they would mess around with, with guys backstage. They didn't mess with... And I wouldn't either. Well, I kept having flashbacks and watching this match of... Uh, what was it? When when Ron Simmons gave the Dominator to Jeff Hardy. Oh, yeah. It's the greatest Dominator yeah. ever. <laughs> really takes the name on. You're going you're gonna to take it. <laughs> and you're not going to like it. <laughs> um, yeah, I... It's an... It is better than the, the rock and roll thing was so bad. bad. That match was really bad in comparison to this. I think it's because I'm gonna just highlight again what Jason said. You're you're talking about Flair and Anderson tagging up, which as a team, the way they the way they shift from okay, we're gonna be frustrated tagging in and out, getting beat up on, and then all of a sudden zero in on a body part. The way they work the knee, the way is it, is it just the knee? I think they both kind of work that uh, Ron Simmons knee or Butch Reed's knee at the same time. I forget, but. It's really, really solid. I wasn't surprised by the finish because I was like, "They're the horsemen aren't winning the belts." No way. But I don't know if they're going. Doom's going to beat these guys clean. I do. In, in the timeline, this in this with where we're at, I really want to see them wrestle the Steiners. Like I'm <laughs> dying to see this match now, based on how they're both uh, moving along with their respective titles. I'd like to see Ron Simmons take a Frankensteiner. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> oh, you're gonna take it? No, I'm not. Uh, okay, <laughs> I disagree. Counters it into a dominator. <laughs> there it is. What a move. <laughs> That's like Hoovy and Kidman trying to powerbomb each other. <laughs> That's there. <laughs> there will be a one-hour time limit. Oh Jesus. But um, 
I give this match a five. Um, I kind of have it. In, I got. I think it's definitely better than the the, the poor young bloods or the the renegade easy. warriors. Easy. The renegade warriors. The uh, young bloods. I don't want to call them the young bloods. I'm sorry. But no. Um, we got to get back to our denim jacket store. But uh, yeah, the double count out, and I did love that the the crowd. It seemed like the. The crowd definitely seemed confused over who they wanted to root for because it's a heel town, so it seemed like they want to go with the Horsemen. But then it's like, okay, we'll go with Doom because the Horsemen are doing such a good job of working them over. But it's it's kind of a weird match in between here. And it's just kind of a bummer since it's the World Tag Team titles and it's far less of a, a match compared to the U.S. Tag Title match. So five is where I'm at with it. Um, all right, so let's go to this Stan Hansen promo. I don't have many notes on it, but just the visual of it is like this weird, like, Hamlet type of thing with him in the pumpkin. There's, there's one part that I, I really like with the promo. It's right towards the end. The background kind of moves a little. And Stan Hansen, like, I thought it was somebody legitimately back there because of the way he sold it. He went, And then he just kept going. He just kept going. I was like, oh, oh, that was a fuck up. That's awesome. Yeah. But we're fine. Like, it's cool to see this collision course finally happen. Him against Luger is what we've got next. So here we go. Stan Hansen's taking on Lex Luger for the U.S. title. Homeboy, I guess. Is he really? Luger? I don't know if he's really from Chicago. I'm going to look it up real quick because I can't remember. But I know he was billed from there um, during this match. But go ahead. Did he play for the Bears? Oh, is this my match? I don't. Did he Did he actually play in the pros? I know he went to the Canadian football Canadian League, football. But I don't remember if he played in the, in the NFL. I'm not sure. But um, anyway. The Canadian Bears, clearly. But um, Chuck, go for it. Man. Okay, uh, I like that. I was actually looking more forward to this match than I had originally anticipated. Like when they started coming down the ramp, I was like, I actually kind of want to see this because they have such different styles, and they look so different from one another. And Stan Hansen is just a curious fellow. Uh, but I mean, right, just as soon as the match starts, it starts hot, which thank God. But Luger, he looks so weird. When he's really fired up, and he's throwing that that sissy punch, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, ah, 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 he, where he doesn't quite. It is a podcast, but that's a good visual. But, but I did it for you. <laughs> I know. You've been giving me shit this whole episode. <laughs> I didn't I'm drop the. To show this I didn't drop you. the R bomb in the middle. Of the <laughs> what did I say? Oh, that. That was look nothing. At, look at him try to trick you. <laughs> the R word. Oh God, I can't say that now. Christ. <laughs> No, Roseanne, you can't say the R word. Those punches look ridiculous. And well, sissy wasn't bad. I, mean, I didn't see your. Oh, sissy. I, I, I almost said the other R word. Oh, you did. Huh. You really did. No, I did. But I, I, I restrained myself. Oh, year it was. Also an R word. <laughs> restrained. <laughs> oh, okay. This is when I really noticed it. Five minutes have gone by. <laughs> I actually timed it. It was about two minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> five minutes have gone by. Five minutes. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, I can't remember when Hansen does this. I don't think it's at the end of the match, but he blows out the biggest snot I have ever seen. Like, bigger than anything Benoit it's near ever the did. Finish. It is near yeah, the finish. He's on yes. the ground when he does it, and it's just horrendous. <laughs> Uh, the Lariat, okay. That's how Bradshaw was born. He just snot out of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All 
already hates the blue meanie. <laughs> anyway, so that lariat, he just kind of... You, you, you pointed it out earlier, so Stan Hansen has an eye issue. <laughs> I'm not good with subtlety if you haven't picked up. So he has he, an eye issue? Like, he has a problem. Well, because I'm not I fully, I'm not, I don't know exactly I'm not fully convinced oh. because that he has an, the, a problem with his eyes. Because everything looks good that he does. Like, it looks like he's seeing just fine until he has to hit his finisher. Yeah, okay, yep. There you go. And it's like... Okay, and and Luger just he can't take it. And that's the three count, um, and Stan Hansen wins the United States title. <laughs> oh, MAGA! <laughs> Thank you, Stan Hansen. Uh, I give this a honestly, I give this a six. I, I had a lot of fun with this. Really? Okay. I cool. watched it twice. Really? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Didn't I tell you that? No. Because I kept like the first time I kept drifting off. Oh. And then I would wake up. And I'd see something really interesting. And I'd fall back asleep, wake up, something interesting. I'm like, that's it. I'm watching this over again. And I really like this match. Did you like it too, Jason? We'll get into that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you got Stone Cold Stan Hansen coming out with his the little vest! skull on the back of yes! the vest. I, I said this I earlier too. Yeah. The vest is exactly Austin's vest in a way. That oh, doesn't make right? sense. Because everyone else, like, here's the, like, I, I noticed it. They're set, not talking about just the leaning tower of WCW, but the wrestlers come out, they walk up a stair to then come down a ramp. Stan Hansen, fucked stairs, comes down the side, flipping that bull rope, lumbers up to the ramp, and just goes, and just by the way, his promo where he spit like four gallons of tobacco on that poor little gourd is <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> he just writes MAGA in the freaking tobacco on the side of the pumpkin. Thank you, Charlie. Now, that's a good thing. Um, but Stan Hansen's in the ring. The, his music's playing. They're giving time. And then it's at this long camera angle. And Lex is just standing at the end of the ramp while Hansen's music's playing. So did Lex come out too soon? And someone goes, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Skip 10 seconds into Luger's song. Because then it comes in right when that cool boom, 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 boom. And then Lex just starts moving, moseying on down the ramp. Oh, was I supposed to come uh, out later? I know what you're talking about now. It may, I, yeah. I, <laughs> wait a second. Yep. Luger's 3.7 GPA makes him the thinking man's wrestler. I'm sorry, he's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's not. Nope. Um, they, during the, the commentators do a great job of building up Stan Hansen because they talk about all his bands and his fines and his suspensions and That's like right. his, his first night in WCW he got suspended for abusing a referee <laughs> and, and Paul Heyman tries to add to it by saying yeah Nick Patrick refused to do this match and then Jim Ross after just saying that Completely gets no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of Randy Anderson, the the, the other 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 mustache WCW referee. <laughs> they all look the same. John Pee Wee Moore's in high school right now, but um... <laughs> selling marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> but what a great it's, story! It's so good, I, I, like that's so good to talk about how tough and mean this motherfucker is. Because, like, Charlie, like, looking at these two, Lex is in tremendous shape. Stan Hansen is just a big hoss of a motherfucker. 
you know, talk about Lex is a good looking guy. The women love him. Stan Hansen is gross. The, the, the chaw, the, the giant snot rockets, the just insanity um, that comes through. And these two colliding on each other. It's like Battle of the Clotheslines. And the, the freaking lariat at the end. <laughs> I swear to God, I don't think Lex was supposed to lose. I just don't think he could get up. Because when it cuts to the slow-mo replay from the Let's Break the Magic cam, you see it. And Stan Hansen just... His whole left arm just wraps yeah. around Luger's head. Luger like, collapses. It's not a lariat. He's hitting him with his well, forearm. Like, that's what yeah. he's doing. He is nailing the shit up. And Luger, what's cool is he doesn't fall backwards. He just drops. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Uh, and then the ref, who, you know, apparently was the only man brave enough to take this, he doesn't go for a normal pin. He's on his shoulders, leaning over, looking sideways, and he has to take his whole left, or his whole right arm from the way he's doing it, and goes completely over his body to count one of the Are most... Are you talking off- about the ref? Yeah, yeah he, most- he's nowhere near Luger's shoulders. Not even close. Yeah. Who gives a shit? No, he can't <laughs> see it. And then, like, the, there's not even time for the crowd to go, huh? Like, it's just Stan Hansen. It's your United States champion. Uh, and God almighty, it's so weird. I forgot that this is the point where, where he beat him. Uh, so because my the woman my dad was married to at this time lust over Lex Luger. And, I was uh, really hoping you were going to say Stan Hansen. <laughs> uh, oh, it was just gross. Like, it just, oh, the guy, you know, you're sitting here, you're 10. So you kind of know what's going on, but it's also 1990, so it's not like now. You didn't have the internet to like learn everything. You kind of know what's going on with, with stuff, and she's just laying there, and you keep hearing her go, mmm, and like shifting her head. That's what you're thinking about. That's a real man. Well, yeah. <laughs> Look at that, Sweet Jimmy. Stan Hansen. <laughs> Stan, Stan Hansen. The stud man. Him and Stan Lane switch gimmicks. Stan Lariat Lane. That actually sounds better. What if Stan Hansen was meat from WWF? Stan Hansen's coming out with PMS. With with uh, with PMS. Meat. Years later, Stan Hansen replaces the narcissist gimmick, and he's gotten Stan in the middle of the Just dribbles all over himself. I'll, I'll give him this. Bobby Heenan's talking him up too. Oh yeah! <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's him, and, him and Rick Rude. Him and Rick Rude do a pose down. <laughs> Stan Hansen's laying doing the Shawn Michaels shot with the belt over his dick. Oh god! <laughs> with, with a line of dribble that leads to the belt. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give him this. This match kind of sold me on Stan Hansen. Like, I was like, I was like, I kind of like this guy. <laughs> he does things his way. <laughs> it's one of those I'm gonna take it um, kind of things. But even with all that, I don't know. It's just, I guess it was the sudden ending, and it just kind of went through. Is I, I could only give it a five. So let's talk about the thing we haven't mentioned yet. Is Dan Spivey comes out, like, oh, yeah, and Spivey. it's a weird spot because it feels like this is going to be the finish because he he is he's billed as Hanson's protege. He tosses Hanson the 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 bell, like he's going to use that to be the finish. And then Luger all of a sudden like is like no, and it's really weird because the ref is down for all this. So then when Luke like backdrops him or whatever you want to call it, like he, he thwarts the um, the bell shot, the he he hits like. I don't know if he hits his clothesline or whatever, and it's 
it feels like, yeah, there's a mess up with the finish because Luger's unsure about doing the rack. And it's not like he even, like, really motions. Does he even really motion for the torture rack? Never saw the it. Crowd, a guy in the crowd did. Yeah, a guy in the crowd did. And everyone was Please? Like, oh, that must be it then. <laughs> and then that's why that clothesline just feels like it comes out of, out of nowhere, but not in the way that's, like, organically it comes out of nowhere, like an RKO or a diamond cutter or something. It's, like, literally, like, fuck it. Just, do, just throw that whale of an arm at me there and see what happens. I got a quick question for you guys. When I look at Stan Hansen, and I want to, I often wonder, like, if I walked into the bathroom and he was taking a shit, how bad what? would the smell be? <laughs> like, would it be, like, colossal bad? Like, it's so bad you have to leave. Like, if you have to piss so badly, but you walk in and Stan Hansen's taking a shit, do you abort and go find another bathroom, or do you just trudge on? Move over, ladies. <laughs> I'm coming in. <laughs> Because it's not like the Z-Man's doing it. It's probably a nice, quiet dog. You, you think the Z-Man motions for the camera to follow him into the bathroom? Come out! We're going to document! I just feel like Hanson, in every aspect of his life, is it's big and nasty. I bet he misses. <laughs> what do you he want to bet he misses? Yeah, I bet he misses. I'm just saying. The I bet toilet's he's a, got like gooey shit coming out of its side of it, just like his it mouth. It probably looks just like, like the, 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 the chew. This gets into another conversation, clearly, but I will admit, if I'm in the bathroom, I'm taking a deuce, and uh, <laughs> I've got <laughs> I've got somebody, and like, you know, in the day and age with phones and stuff like that, sometimes we sit a little bit longer than we're supposed to. Uh, yeah, your legs fall asleep. Yeah, That's just, when you know you've been there too You feel like long. you've been Lethal Weapon 2 with, now with phones. <laughs> I've been here all night. Yeah. But then somebody else comes in to the stall next to you, and there's some people that you can tell by the way they're hustling, like, oh boy, something's about to happen. And you just hear that sound, that implosion. <laughs> <laughs> you try not to laugh. <laughs> you try not to laugh. You're just like, oh no. <laughs> so I swear, there's this guy I work with who is Stan Hansen. <laughs> I knew this was leading somewhere. And he's like a bull in a china cab, and everywhere he goes, you can hear him coming down the hallway. He's a nice guy, but he's very in your face. Without the tobacco. But, and he's a nice guy. Is he a close talker? He's very MAGA. But anyway. No. Oh, but, no. But, um... I, I was once, like, I was, you know, finishing up, but I was kind of, like, taking my time, because I was like, ah, you know, what's going on over here on the phone and stuff like that, and he comes barreling in. That was your in. first mistake. <laughs> he comes barreling in, and, and I mean, like, opens that door quickly, and, I mean, like, before I even, before it feels like fabric has come down from his ass, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> and and like the, I li literally the janitor just left after cleaning this thing up. Oh no! And then I hear And then I I hear. What did I do? What did I say? I hear him say, "Well, that'll change the air quality." And I was like, "I gotta get out of oh here." Oh my god! And it did. And that's what I. That's <laughs> like that. Yeah, it that is. Yeah. And that so, life-changing moment inspired this conversation. I just, like, when I was seeing Stan Hansen, I was like, oh, I bet he takes some smelly shits. You know, I just... Oh, I, guaranteed. I bet you it is with the the combination. It just looks like I literally... Bet he swallows most of that chew. It looks like he sweats from the moment he gets out of bed. He's already sweating. He just looks like he's a very active, husky man. <laughs> That's our United States champion, folks. <laughs> guys. All right, anyway. But Let's you, rate wrestlers shits if you want to use the hashtag. <laughs> oh, no, don't you dare. 
Oh, I'm telling you, Vader's I, I, probably I, I, the champion. Vader probably trumps this. Imagine if they were next to each other. <laughs> Yokozuna, fuck it. Yokozuna's probably got the worst of all time. Bam Bam but... Bigelow. <laughs> I bet he cartwheels right onto the toilet. <laughs> Maybe Jimmy Hart just above him. I don't know. <laughs> Watch it be like a surprise. Like Takamishinoku. Like, who saw that coming? Hey, Charlie, nobody's ready for Asuka. Uh, oh. oh, thanks. Yeah, that's great. She's undefeated. But uh, I, I do have like a legitimate question that doesn't involve fecal matter. Um, do you guys like surprise run-ins where there's a weapon or uh, uh, international object involved that really plays no factor in the match whatsoever? Both but, the running and the weapon. God, this bothered me. It really did. Because I was like, this is the perfect way to get this belt. Because my next point was going to be, this is a title reign of 523 days. It is the longest U.S. title reign in history. Even more than... Right? Yes. Okay. Well, and this is... It's a reign where he started off as a face, became a heel, became a face again. He literally big showed his way through this title reign. And it gets ended like this. And it's really disappointing. Because, Jason, you're right. That bell, that bell should have been the finish. It needed to be. Like, it needed to be the finish to be like, God dang it, in this guy's hometown, he gets beaten by an, an international object. That's no good. And it's just, yeah, it leaves you with a real, like, huh? Type of reaction. And the crowd certainly echoes that. They're just like, oh, I guess that's it. And it's a bummer because, well, maybe not. But at the same time, like, Luger's right up there with Sting, it feels like, in terms of, like, crowd loves him. Right. He gets fireworks. He's probably he the pyro. number two. Yeah. The number two face. Yeah. So Not the number two, Dan Hansen. Yeah, there we there. go. There we go. <laughs> Little Richard Marley might probably have a good stinker or two. Little Richard. Little Richard. <laughs> above average Mike Sanders. Oh, really man, average. where's my boy? <laughs> <laughs> above average. <laughs> I do want to find out what episode was the Taz with his hands or weapons and he... Oh, I tried. I, I, I listened to Anarchy Rules a little on the way over and I couldn't... It wasn't there. It wasn't there. But I only gave that Matt. I gave it a five. So you gave it a five? I, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but I do like... I, I kind of like the prospect of Stan Hansen being the U.S. champ. So now let's go to Teddy... The, the Teddy Long promo with the Phantom who still looks like... Uh, it's, I wrote he still looks like he's making a stand by staying with the Phantom costume. Like he just is like I'm doing. I'm, I like, made it this like far. It's a political statement. Yeah, it's oh. just like I made it this far. I should be the lead commentator. What about that, huh? That'll put some butts in the seat. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Teddy. This we talk about it. Um, the Teddy Long promo. We're done with you. We're through with you. I love this promo. It's it's fine. It's a great. It's not what I'm used to with Teddy Long. No, that's what's that's what's missing. Like from like his uh, like I I remember in his Hall of Fame. Did they do this in his Hall of Fame induction? Did they show this stuff? I don't remember that. Jason, do you remember? They brought up a little bit of his management with Doom. Okay, but not a lot. Because this promo, like if you if you see Teddy Long as general manager, there's no way you would have thought he did this. No, no. no. <laughs> God, I hated that. All right, so now we cut to our obligatory Missy Hyatt yes moment of the show, where like literally she's just there for two seconds. I know. It was like, what's the point? Is that it? Is that all she's doing? Because like I know her banner with danger with Paulie Dangerously, Paul Heyman is awesome. It's all it's 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 great going forward. But they only she's only there a second. But it's really there to do the, and this is another obligatory thing when you ever you have 
a face champion facing like an overwhelming, like devastating challenger. It's like, oh, the challenger's got this. He's a bigger dude. Blah blah blah. Missy Hyde and Paul Paul Lee basically think that uh, Vicious is coming away with the belt. Jim Ross is, of course, like, well, well, I really don't know, folks. <laughs> um, so that sets up our world title. Do you guys have anything to say about it, by the way? I mean, I, I know since it's only a brief moment in the show, do you guys have anything to say about Missy Hyatt? She looks good. Okay. Jason, anything? <laughs> well, it's weird that there's no uh, uh, counterpoint from Paul. It's just like, Missy Hyatt, I was the first one, and then that... Jim Ross gets his bit, and like, here we go. Here comes Sid. I heard. So. I, I've heard about this show. They were worried about time, and I wonder if that's another casualty of it, where it's like Paul just has to be like, "Yep." Well, they're about eight years behind on the Halloween Havocs. Oh if yeah. They're worried about time. Right. <laughs> so let's. Um, we got a lot to unpack with this main event. Um, Sid taking on Sting for the world title. Uh, let's start off first with the fact that Sid is ex- it ridiculously over at the crowd and if you don't you don't have to watch all of them but go find some of the matches in between bash or clash and this where sid is taking on jobbers it is the most entertaining stuff you will ever find pretty good is sid and even outside of this at any in any year of with any promotion sid taking on jobbers is awesome. Well, it's like Sid and Vader. It's like if you could give a 10 out of 10 to a match with a jobber in it, it would probably be one of those two guys. The point I bring up with it, too, is not just the entertainment factor, but the crowd more and more is getting behind this guy, which I think will lead to, it leads kind of what you're talking about with the horseman. Like, what's the, just seems weird. Like, Ric Flair should be the guy in the horseman that right. they cheer for the most, not this guy. Ric anyway. Flair, the leader of the horseman, is fighting for the tag titles right. on the same show. Right. Okay, so. That being said, when you see Sid squash jobbers, it's hard to watch him like kind of wrestle conservatively against Sting. There's no choke slam in this match. There's not even an attempt of a choke slam. There's no power bomb. There's no, no attempt at a power. There's no. The only thing we see him do is his awesome nip up. Oh my god! I wrote that down too. Uh, I'm attaching to the end of the show. It's going to be Sid's shoot interview from I forget what year. It's really good because he talks about how he and Sting worked together pretty well, but they had. They had a bit where people were bitching. People were bitching at Sting, like, you know, Sid showing you up with that nip up. You know, he's uh, and, and Sting tried to confront him about it, and he's and Sid's like, dude, I do that in every match. Man. I've never seen him do that. Yeah, I I didn't either, really. But anyway, more about that a little bit later. But there's a lot. I'm not, I shouldn't say there are a lot of rest holds, but the rest holds last a while in this match. Like a Sid match, like a like not like a Sid Jabber match, but a Sid big time match. I remember this all the time. There are a lot of strikes. Of course, there's the obligatory. I use that word again. It's the last time I'm gonna use it. Uh, the sting. obligatory, obligatory comment. Yeah, it's the obligatory sting no sells offense. Oh, yeah. Gets right back up. Got to do that in the match. But he only does it once. To his credit, I think he only does it really once. Sting's offense though really does revolve around just kick, chop, punch, repeat. I hate it. And that's all he, he really can do gets so much to do. More. Yeah, really does. And the thing is, like, the, the reason I'm critical of that is Bret Hart wrestles in a, probably Yokozuna's best match of his career at WrestleMania 9. It's a good, small guy, big guy match. Mm-hmm. And I, this match falls way, way, way short of that. So they do a lot of business in the ring, just kick, you know, strikes back and forth, whatnot. They go outside once, up the ramp, but then Sid and Sting take it to the outside in this, the the other kind of aisle way. This is where Doom and the Horsemen finished up and got the double count out. Well, the Horsemen are out there. 
You see the horsemen out there. Oh, let me bring up for, uh, I don't want to forget the, the amazing sting spot coming from the ramp, diving oh over the rope. Oh, my God. That is awesome. <laughs> that is an awesome spot. But they go up this other aisleway. And you see the horsemen kind of distract the ref. Now, we don't see Sting. The camera stays on this while Sid and Sting are doing business, supposedly, I guess, in the back of the place. When we come to, when we break off from the horsemen, the other two, um, it's Sid and apparently Sting coming back to the ring. They roll back in. Sting attempts a body slam, and Sid falls right on top of him, and it's a one, two, three. Out of nowhere, the crowd is... Completely taken off guard. It's really just like WrestleMania 30 with Taker. Yeah. It reminds me of Taker, yeah. and it's like nobody saw this coming. Balloons falling from the, the the place. Celebration for the heel. For the heel, you got you got pyro <laughs> going off. Sid is announced as the champion. The announcers are a tad confused. Nobody's caught on to what we're about to reveal yet. And then all of a sudden, here comes Sting again. But now you put it together, like oh wait a second, if you. And then you started to go back and look like, well, that, that sting that came out before was a little bit thicker, and his makeup was well, what fully is, intact. Well, what did Jared say to you? He's like, that kind of looked like Barry Windham. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, let's just call it what it, what it So, is. basically, it's it's our the, the first iteration of fake sting yeah, is what happens. Sting. <laughs> sting rolls back, and Matthew Bachamania, I read his write-up, and I wanted to reference this because I it made me crack up. He's like, Sting's got rope around his arm from either being tied up or trying to hang himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great line. Yeah, I'll go retain. <laughs> he rolls back into the ring. He clobbers Sid with the belt. He does. Knocks him into the corner. Stinger splash. Small package roll up. One, two, three. Sting is the champion. And the crowd is really confused? happy for this, but confused. But, yeah. So now let's backtrack a little bit. Let's go back to Sid in the shoot interview, talking about this. Sid, the way Sid explains this is... The finish was supposed to be... Sid was told he was going to be the champion. Going back to Clash, Ole supposedly told him, you're going to be the champ, talk like you're the champ. I'm kind of quoting from this Hannibal TV shoot interview, so you can watch the clip. I'm actually going to attach it to the end of the show. He says, you're going to be the champ, do your promos like you're going to be the champ. Say you're going to be the champ. And so what the finish was going to be was, as Sid knew it, he's going to beat up Sting through this door. Sting's going to come back out, presumably beat up by the horseman, weakened enough. Sid ends up uh, pinning him one, two, three. They didn't say powerbomb, whatever. He's going to pin him one, two, three. Through a door? The, like when they go up that aisle way. Oh, oh. He's going to push him through the door. He gets beat up by the Lion King jackals and then gets thrown back out into the end of the ring, pinned one, two, three, and it's over with. Okay. And he's the new champ. Well, all of a sudden, he sees Barry Windham come in. And Sid's like, what? And, and Barry's like, just roll me up, kid. Or just just take just go ahead and pin me one two three while the match is going on. Yes, this is all happening in the moment. So he tries to pick up Sid. Sid falls on him one two three, and then he sees Steve Stinger come out. Steve, yeah. is that Steve? Gordon. <laughs> and the referee says to Sid, "Take the splash, one two three. And so he does it. And he's completely cool with this, which is amazing. Yeah, like I would. Oh man. In the business of pro mm -hmm. wrestling. I'd say nine guys out of ten, if you're told for months, because this is months going back to Clash 12, that you're going to be the champion, and then there's this reversal at the last second, the last second, and you end up not getting the belt, I'm shocked that he was... And he, he loves... He actually... He's down with this finish because he was like, it fooled everybody. 
when you go back to the cornet thing, cornet talks about with this show that it was way too cute. It was way too cute of a finish because everybody was confused. You confused the crowd. The crowd didn't really know how to what to take with the end of it, which rightfully so. I think that's why Ross, for the TV audience, throughout, throughout the Barry Windham line, because there's nothing else that explains who that is. Well, they show this replay. <laughs> I jump out in the... Where they see each other? Yeah! <laughs> mirror, mirror. And I'm, and I'm like, what? That, that cameraman didn't feel like relaying that information? <laughs> you, you know, or, 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 or nobody thought that was important to see? Because that made it even more confusing. That that it was very obvious. Like, if they had just shown that, yeah. that would have made more sense. Right. And Jerry just, wait a minute, ref, no, that's not the real sting. Like, that would have been great. But instead, like, because it's not a bad finish, it's just the way that, that it played yeah. out. The last thing I'll say about it um, is that Sid said Sid said that he thought Flair screwed him over in the back, and they, him and maybe other people were saying he wasn't ready to be the champ, and that's where this audible comes in out of nowhere that that that, that gave Sting the the win here at the end. As a match, I liked this match more as a kid. I liked it more four years ago. I still I, I don't think it's terrible but I'm not super like I don't think it's I don't think it's a great match that showcases each guy because I think each guy is a great wrestler in their own right especially Sid I dude Sid's coming into my top maybe I don't I'm not gonna say top five yet of all time but he's in top 10 territory I think he's getting into top 10 I really like him I know and and and, and, well but he has his flaws I mean he has his flaws I'm just saying how many great matches of his can you name true but like but as a character, I mean, a, at the same time, like, there are a lot of people that will always say Bruno San Martino is their favorite wrestler. I'm like, please tell me the great Bruno San Martino matches. It's just compared who you grew up with. But yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But anyway, that's beside the point. I'm, what I'm just saying is that this match it. does not showcase their strengths overall. So I only gave this match a five. It's 12 minutes, 38 seconds. Not a terribly long main event. Kind of in typical WCW fashion. They're running up against time, so they kind of. Are rushing things, it seems like, a little bit. But I just don't think you get the the best out of both guys here. But I'm glad to see Sting keeping the belt, you know, because that's... I think it's important to see him taking on these big challenges. I thought it was weird we didn't get Black Scorpion. I know. I'm telling you, he was arrested. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that's what I got to say about it. I apologize for going on long. Jason, what did you think about this one, man? I thought that Sting, no selling for Sid, even though it's Sting, was still... I don't know, it didn't seem right. Because it should be, you know, Sting, no selling for Flair, no selling for all the other, you know, Luger when they were fighting, all the other people, that's great. But Sid, I mean, they keep talking about how how big he is, and look at him, he's fucking huge. Um, I don't know if he's 6'9", because at some point Nick Patrick is standing right next to him, and Nick Patrick's freaking top of his head is, like, almost eye level with Sid. I'm like, I don't think Nick Patrick's 6'6". Um, but... I don't know. I I didn't like that. Now, I mean, as a kid, I loved it because you know, Sting, he's invincible. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It just it it kind of defeat the purpose of of uh, you're building up this as a challenge for Sting. But you know, the first move the guy hits him, Sting just brushes it off. I don't know. C- counterproductive. Um, I don't think that we're the only people that were as surprised as Sid's kip up. You know, for someone that he said he did it, he did it all the time. Jim Ross and Paul Heyman, or excuse me, Paul Lee Dangerously. We're incredibly surprised by his kip up, because <laughs> um, it's like in unison kip up, and and it was just, um, you know, uh, one of the things said during the matches, uh, during the the mid late eighties, 
and into the early 90s, I was a huge baseball fan. I love the Oakland A's. The sweep by the Cincinnati Reds or the A's in that World Series, them, that bringing up, that's heartbreaking. Um, because I remember sitting in game four, and I had all my Oakland A's cards laying out. Big deal. I love McGuire. I love Conseco. I love Ricky Henderson. Eckersley as a pitcher. I was all into it. And to be that devastated, and then I hear it now on top of this match that that is kind of lackluster, it was like, man, this is just like rubbing salt into a very open wound. Um, at some point, Sting kicks Nick Patrick out of the way physically, not even like move. He kicks yes, he him. does. That's a good call. Yeah. He kicks him, and not only does he kick him, he then jumps over the top rope. So that's two things that in that point in time in WCW, NWA, should have been a DQ. Uh, and it wasn't. Um, so here's where, where we get into the 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 clusterfuck for me is they could have the black scorpion would have played a really good way is to distract sting and sting leave the area and uh to to, as far as the arena at some point and then here comes wyndham sting somewhere and they go oh well sting finally got you know he he got away from the black scorpion or black scorpion got away and then you cover it not this, okay, they're gone, but they're gone. Sting's gone for a whole, like, 20 seconds before replacement Sting comes out. Um, and, you know, I didn't know it was a last-minute thing, and that's why it's so sloppy. But even just some acknowledgement of Sting and fake Sting seeing each other before the replay, even before the people in the crowd, because from where it was, not everyone's going to see that because you're too busy – looking at your new world champion standing in the ring with the fireworks going off and half of the balloons go off because their other half fall out after sting wins again. Um, this is where I know now in, in modern wrestling authority figures are incredibly played out, but this is where an authority figure, even for a second would have been great to come out and say, no, this is shenanigans. Restart the match. Just a little bit like that. Instead of Nick Patrick just goes, no, no, no. The bell doesn't even ring. Sting comes in, hits hits right in front of the ref, hits his opponent with the belt, DQ, Sting your splash, one, two, three. Uh, it, it just, uh, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense, especially because Matthew of you said he's going to hang himself. It just looks like kite string. You built, to, to me, even I looked at Sting in the, the same superhero eyes that I looked at him as a kid right here. How is that tiny amount of rope going to stop Sting? And... For, for it to be tied around one hand. Um, she tell I wasn't a big fan of this. Uh, I, I'm i going to go into my answer to your Horseman question here, but I gave this match a four. Um, but, yeah, the uh, when you asked me the question earlier about the impact of the Horseman here, or in, in general, if they played out, this really echoes how outdated they are because this is very cliche cartoon villainy. Let's replace the guy magically or not magically, but let's just replace this dude last second. Let's do this whole shenanigans. We'll have the distraction here. It, I mean, all they need to do is scream Cobra and it would have fucking worked um, as far as being so bad. So I don't look at the horsemen. Uh, I, they're cheaters for sure, but they just always would just beat people up because they ran the show. And this is like, oh, well, they having to resort to being foils for staying at this level doing this way it just doesn't click um and it, i don't see the horseman doing something like this this is more something i see the dungeon of doom doing if that makes any sense of of, of how i'm looking at this so 
Um, not a big fan. Okay, man. What do you think, Charles? What do you think? You had me thinking this was going to be awful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, from what you were telling me. I thought it was okay. It's not bad. I don't think it's awful, by the way. Well, no, no, no. It was just the way I'm sorry, it was coming I, I across. I conveyed that. It was like, the, I was like, I think you texted me something like, this match was so much better, like when I was a kid or something. I was like, oh, man, I really don't want to watch a bad, I don't want to watch a bad Sting Sid match because I so wanted to see this match. And it's okay. Like I said, the finish, I think, would have worked a lot better if they had just known what they were doing. Because, yeah, it's very obvious, that, now that you mention it, it makes sense that um, it seemed as chaotic as it did because it certainly played that way on TV yeah. that they made it up on the spot. But even so, it wasn't awful. It was just, oh, I see. Oh, yeah, because you can just kind of piece it together. Um, JR, I, really, I just don't know what to make of this. JR says that the power bomb is Sid's version of a body slam. Yeah, I... So this makes me think that nobody, so nobody was doing this yet. He's kind of a nobody was doing the power forerunner of it. So are are you saying that Sid can't do a body slam? Like there's also that it's his version of a body slam because he can't do it. And then there's also in what universe is the body slam even remotely similar to Sid doing a power? He might as well say, "Oh, the suplex is is his version of uh, a backbreaker." I was like a snapmare. Or a snap. It makes just as much sense. It's like it's a move that involves power, sure, and it, you you throw the guy on his back, but it's completely different. It's yeah. it's two completely different moves. So I, I th- that really bothered me. I thought it kind of dumbed down his power bomb in a way. Um, the the leap from the the ramp is. It, I got so fired up when he did that. And I was like, he's never going to clear that. And he cleared it, and then uh, some. Oh, did you do a Will Scarlet? Uh, <laughs> Fuck me. He cleared it. Yeah, I, think, I, I, I guess I kind of did. Um, and we talked about it in one of the last episodes about how a stinger splash really shouldn't lead to a cover. And you're like, oh, just wait. Or lead to a pin. I'm okay if it's a small package. Yeah. It's because, you know, it's, oh, wait, where's my leg? That was a cool finish. I used to do it in revenge sometimes. Stinger, yeah. Into I don't, a, I don't feel like package. using the scorpion does yeah. like. Because it takes too damn long. Yeah. Right. Those, you got to put it on. Those games time. discriminated against submission holds. Like, you could slap on a sharpshooter or a scorpion deathlock like 20 times, and the guy's like, nah, not ready to tap yet. And it's like, you motherfucker. Well, it also wouldn't help if you were playing somebody that knew the trick. Oh, yeah, that's true. That only worked Did for we pins. Have... No, 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 no. You... It, for... oh, no. It worked for submissions, but it became it got to a point where a submission was the only way you could win. Yeah. Because that's right. That's you, know, right. you could flick out of it, but if it was the 20th time you were in the move, you would tap immediately when the yeah. move got locked. <laughs> Shit! Did we ever tell Chilton about it? No. All right. Well, hopefully he doesn't listen to this episode. Um, I didn't mind it. I, it's not bad. It, I, it was definitely better than I was expecting. Cool. I, I'd give this a five. Jason, I want to piggyback. Like, What I was thinking as you were um, talking about, your, about the horsemen, how do they appear now in 1990 here and stuff like that? I just kept asking myself, does Sid really need... A couple of dudes like smaller than him to beat down Sting. Fat Arn Anderson. <laughs> Grandpa. With his old man glasses. <laughs> well, do, do I need Sunday Jumble in the newspaper, Arn Anderson, and Ric Flair to distract so, you know, injured or, you know, haircut Barry Windham, like, does a little beat down on st- Like, the horsemen don't need that. Or Sid doesn't need that. Maybe that's why Arn and him so got the knife. Oh, there we go. I can't wait till we get to that. Man. So, yeah, I 
it's it, that's kind of been a, a sad thing watching these matches so far. Has been like, boy, the horsemen really have like the it really is a changing of the guard. Like you're seeing these classic entities in NWA, WCW that are on their way out. Like they just don't seem. And of course, what's awesome is with the Freebirds about to transition out. You've got the 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 the, um, the horsemen transitioning out. It's all paving the way for. What are you looking at? What's the problem? Wax on. Oh, it's paving the way for what's going to be probably one of the most signature stables of WCW during this time period that's about to be coming around. But, um, yeah, it's... I just... All that, all that shenanigans. I, I, 100%, you nailed it. This is something Dungeon of Doom would do, not the Four Horsemen. <laughs> so... Um, you got the ratings? Yeah, I do. All right. I do. All right, where are we at, man? I rated it the highest... Is that a first? Yeah, it might be a first. Yeah. I wish I'm really... I enjoyed this show. It was like, a I really did. Yeah. Like, even though I don't even think my rating really reflects how much I had... How much fun I actually had with yeah. the show. So I gave it a 6. Jason, you gave it a 5.5. Will, you gave it a 5.3 okay. at the lowest. So we gave it a 5.6. The whole show. I gave it a 5.3? Yeah. Okay. That makes well, sense. Well, right. what killed it? Oh, that... Se- well... Was the Renegade Warrior? I had a yeah, lot of fives. But you had a lot of fives. fives. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so. So on cagematch.net's 5.56. So we were Rounded right up. We're right there. We're right there. And I, I agree. Like, I mean, overall, and thank God those other you matches said weren't it, on And this. I, I'll go and say, and then Jason can say it here. I, I don't, my score didn't really reflect. This is a fun show. Like, as Halloween Havocs go, I really enjoy this. The next year's one is the most cartoonish of cartoons. Perfect. Well, maybe not. I, I, has, I, I should not say that because when you have the Yeti. That's pretty cartoonish. But oh. next year's, the Chamber of Horrors, Chamber of Horrors is pretty up there. Jason, I mean, would you say that's fair? Like for you as well? Like the rating made doesn't really reflect like your opinion of the show. Not with the averages, no. Because I mean, it's you know, it's just the the rule of numbers. It is a lot more fun to watch this. I mean, like I'm sure I'm 100 sure that if we were looking at it. From numerically, that if those other matches were on here and we had to throw it in there, that it would probably be a lot lower. Oh, and yeah. I seriously doubt Charlie yeah. would be the highest again. Oh no, 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 no. Which I mean, like in hindsight, like I, I feel like we've maximized our time. Like so much. Like I mean, I, I now, now, after, it's funny. I, if you wore me down enough, Jason, where I'm like, maybe I should just go find the Southern Boys versus the Master Blasters. No. See, that's the one I would want, yeah. that, and that's it. But I, I also want to point out that. With all those things gone, when I realized it was like a lo- like a list of tag matches, and I was like, "Oh God, like this isn't going to be fun at all." These were for the most part pretty good tag matches, yeah, and they were yeah, all yeah. different. Yeah, just this this pay per view is worth it for the Steiner nasty match alone. Yeah, like yeah. So I I was very happy with this show. So I'm looking ahead here. Our next the next show it's a clash is Clash of the Champions 13 Thanksgiving Thunder. <laughs> Or subtitle. <laughs> Mountain of Molten Lust. <laughs> We're in the main event. We've got... Uh, it looks like is Rick it Flair Butchery. Yes, it is. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is going to continue. Like Jason had that peg, man. He was like a sniper on it. He's like, bip. There's a target. Butchery. <laughs> Rick Flair. Yeah, because this is... Uh, what's funny is we don't need to fight you anymore. We, we beat you. You're out of the tag belts, Guess what? Next big event. One of you is wrestling Ric Flair. That's the main event. Yeah. So where's Sting? I don't know. But well, Flair's not the champ. We'll find out. It's still it's still more build up with the Black Scorpion, which I think 
God is also it. part of why this the the Sid match played out the way it does is it wouldn't make sense in this whole Black Scorpion epic for Sting to lose the World Heavyweight Championship. Although Jason, I your at, finish at is perfect. Point. Like you have the perfect finish for this. Black Scorpion causes him to exit the ring. Um, and then, like, he gets beat down. He can go in there and lose the belt. But, I mean, of course, we're talking about there's backstage stuff that is affecting all of this as well. But that would have been fine if if he costs Sting the belt, they have a blow-off at Starcade, and then Sting can fight for it at the next pay-per-view against Sid or whoever's got it. It'd be fine. Like, that, using the Black Scorpion there would have been perfect. Perfect execution. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Thanksgiving... Oof, that was... Thanksgiving Thunder. I know. I know. Wasn't you? Thanksgiving Thunder is where we'll be coming. It'll be the next show in the timeline. But of course, we know we need to do some business next show with this fallout of this Taker Cena thing. So that'll be fun. But of course, guys, um, if you if you get a chance, we're part of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Henry's going through. He's about to turn the corner into 1999 with the Raw Attitude Pod. So um, please give that a listen because he's a, he's pretty much now at a full year. Of Raws, and just to think about where it started with December '97 to December '98, it's an incredible voyage that he's been on so far. So, I encourage you to go check that out. Um, and of course, like you know, we're, we're on iTunes. We appreciate any type of the the reviews. If you wanna, if you wanna just leave us a rating, wanna leave us a review, whatever, that's great. Um, and then, of course, uh, finally, we're on social media. We're on Facebook at New Blood Rising Podcast. We're on. Twitter at New Blood Pod. I myself, I'm at William Rankin 83. I'm at the Jason Kiesler. And I am at CM underscore stabs. We'll see you guys next for kind of the fallout of the Cena Taker thing slash possibly Clash 13. We'll hash it out. We'll announce it on Twitter. But stay tuned here at the end. You've got we're gonna be tacking on the Cornet bit talking about Halloween Havoc 90, and then as well as Sid talking about Halloween Havoc 90. It was inventive. Barry Windham cut his hair to where he looked like staying. But it, people didn't fucking get it. It just did People didn't understand it. It, it, was, it, was, it was too cute. They understood it on television because the people, it was explained by the announcers and the camera work and et cetera, but the people in the building were like, what? What the what the fuck? What yeah, what okay. what? And so it just if if the announcers have to tell you that in that much detail what happened, I don't. I just did. I didn't. I well, but already you know I've I'd already had my jaw dislocated that fucking night and uh, was pissed off anyway. So maybe I was just in a bad mood. Remember why uh, Elvira wasn't used on the show, but she was in the promos? Because they didn't want to pay her to come to Chicago. They just, she just did shit in the studio. Uh, they would have had to pay her to come, if she would even indeed to lower herself to come to Chicago and participate in that. Okay, we get there, we're supposed to work with the rock and roll. So we, okay, at least, well, once again, we'll have a great match again, won't matter, but they put it on first. So we're jerking the curtain on the pay-per-view and this was back before it was like, we're going to start to show hot. It was just, this was the opening preliminary match. Mm-hmm. And that's when Robert hurt his knee. So it was Tommy Rich and Ricky Morton as a makeshift team. So 
Bobby Eaton, to get this fucking thing over, even does the rocket launcher onto the fucking wooden ramp. And boom, 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 we go 20 minutes with a makeshift team. It's never teamed before in their life. No disrespect to either Ricky or Tommy. And then we put them over. And, have, and what some people said was one of the better matches on the show. Then, trying to juice this thing up that we're supposed to do on The Clash with the Southern Boys, the Master Bla Blasters are going to beat the Southern Boys. Blade and Steel. This time they got the new, yes. along with Nash, who could stick his thumb in his ass three tries, and this other fucking... And they're going to beat our opponents because I go out and cut. But these guys shouldn't even have been on television. I would have, I would have fired them. I, and and, and was, I'm not saying it's because it's Kevin Nash. If they had been in OVW, I would have fired them because they were rotten. For, they were rotten for a wrestling school. They're on national TV. They're going to beat the Southern boys. The Midnight Express just got beaten. And we're supposed to be going to the Clash for this big feature match. I go out in a Confederate general's yes. uniform because it's Halloween havoc and everybody's got to be dressed up. And in the finish meeting, Ole had suggested that after, after I caused the Southern boys to lose, then they would take one of the jack-o'-lanterns and, and hit me over the head with it and I'd be running around with a pumpkin on my head. Right. And I said, Ole, I'm not putting a pumpkin on my head. I said, this fucking, I said we're losing. Then our opponents are losing, and the smidgen of heat that I might get for causing the baby face to lose, then they're going to fucking wear it off with the, and they're going to, no, they're not going to put a pumpkin on my head. And Ole always hated Tennessee wrestling, right? So he's like, well, why? That's something Nick Goulas would have done. I said, well, the difference is Nick Goulas drew money, and he didn't like that. Oh, boy. Did you say that? <laughs> yes, I said that. So I said, they can beat me up, but they ain't putting a pumpkin on my head. So then Janie Engel comes up to me, the girl in the office, right? And I love Janie. And she said, Corny, whatever you do, don't tear the general's uniform because it's rented and we've got to take it back. But that wasn't yours. No. It, they we rented. assume everyone in the South has one. No, they no. rented it and the <laughs> pants were fucking like a size two and the fucking jacket was too big and his fucking hat. I said, don't worry, Janie, I'll take care of it like it was my own baby, right? First thing I went to Tracy and Steve, I said, okay, rip the fucking jacket up the back off of me. And God, that thing was trash, destroyed, whatever the fuck. Come back, oops, right? So they did that. And then in the, in the midnight match, they had installed that ramp to, for the guys to come out because Vince used something yes, like that. Yes. So they have to do everything Vince did. Right. So because of the ramp, when we go to do the spot where Ricky and Bobby are doing the crisscross and then Ricky dives out and chases me and I roll in and Bobby's coming off and I stand up and he hits me with a tackle and I take a big bump. Well, I can't go the right way I'm supposed to go because the ramp, so I'm going the other way. Well, I'm going the other way. I get The floor cameraman gets in my fucking way. I have to go around him, so when I roll in, I'm late standing up, and I always tell Bobby, bring it. Come full force because we're going to hit shoulder to shoulder, and I'll just fly, right? It helped me. The harder he would hit me mm -hmm. in the shoulder, the bigger bump I would take. I, did, I got delayed a second. As I'm standing up, he's coming, point of his shoulder in my chin. Uh -huh. Bam! dislocates my fucking jaw, busts me open here, that little scar under there. So now they said no blood on pay-per-views, and now I'm bleeding down my fucking tie, and Stan's like, Corny, you got juice. I said, good, maybe they'll kick this fucking thing <laughs> off the air. So the next day, after I go out with my in-laws that night and can't chew my dinner, the next day, guess where WCW, the second biggest wrestling promotion in the country, the fucking national TV attraction with all these major stars, guess where we run? Farmland, Indiana, 
where we put the Southern boys over. Big house? Oh, sure, $11,000. That was almost 1,000 people. <laughs> uh, then the next day we go back to, we fly back to Charlotte. I'm a, uh, this is the beginning of the end, and then I, we'll finish out the year. We go back to Charlotte, and then we get in the car. We can't go home. We're only 10 miles from the house, and we haven't been fucking home, as you can see, in, you know, four or five days. So we can't go home because we got to rush to Anderson, South Carolina for TV, where we find out that we're, a couple weeks ago we had five matches in one night. No matches. Stan's working a single match with Steve Armstrong. Bobby's not working. Nobody bothered to tell him. He could have stayed home with his family, but now he's in the car with us, so he can't come back. He's got to sit there all fucking. And this was before all the guys just had to. What are your memories of working with Sting at that time? Sting was awesome, man. He was, uh, you know, me and Sting talked one time, and he said, you know, I'm not an idealist like you, but he said, I work well with people who do have good ideas, and we had some really good matches. Um, just one little incident, one time we were in, you know, I, I think everybody remembers I used to do a nip-up spot, and it was usually out of the head scissors. And I'd nip up, and then I'd catch a guy with a choke slam or something like that, and he'd always get a good reaction. It was in Jacksonville, Florida. I'll never forget it. So I come back, and there's some guys, and I think the Steiners were in the dressing room, and they were, you know, pushing Sting to sort of say, hey, Sid's burying you. And I said, and I come in, and Sting goes, hey, man, you're burying me. I said, no, Steve, I'm not burying you. I said, we do that spot all the time. I said, what's happened is you let these guys get in your ass, and now they're making you feel bad about that. So don't let these guys get you beat up. You know, and then, that, then they all heard that, and they all changed their opinion. Is it true you were originally supposed to take the title off of Sting at Halloween Havoc? This is the thing I did for 30 seconds. Um, now, this is the thing, now, again, I guess is why it's easy you know, for like a lot of bookers would you know, say, Sid's a good guy to have working for me because I don't ask questions. So this is when they only did four pay-per-views a year. And we were, I was told at the um, Clash of Champions, Sid, you're going to be the next world champion. So every one of your interviews, you say you're going to be the next world champion. Well, I, that's what I did for three months. And then um, when it came down to the, that night at Chicago at the UIP Pavilion Center, UIC Pavilion Center in Chicago, uh, they said, okay, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get your heat. Steve's going to make a little comeback. Stop him, throw him through the ropes. He's going to go through the back door. I, I think I might have put him through the back door. And then you go back to the ring. He's going to come back to the ring holding his head. You roll him up. One, two, three. I said, okay. So we went through that whole thing. As he comes back, it's actually Barry Wyndham. I didn't know what was going on, so I rolled him up. One, two, three. He said, don't worry about it, kid, or something like that. So I rolled him up, didn't think nothing about it. I didn't know the rest of the finish. I don't think this was supposed to have been there. I think I was supposed to have won the belt. But I think Flair and a lot of people raised so much shit about it, me being too young for the position. So uh, like I said, I know the crowd's going crazy. The referees in the ring grabbing the belt on my hand, saying, take the stinger splash. I never knew anything about that part of the finish. But when I look back on it, Devin, that was probably my most, most memorable match because I feel like when you can fool me, you had to fool the people. Now, if it was just me, I, I enjoyed that. I don't know if people understand that or not. Was Flair nice with you to your face at that time? Always. You would just hear it through the grapevine. Grapevines, exactly. This is why you know Flair. For instance, I remember the first time I worked with him in Columbus, Georgia. This is what you know when someone's full of shit. He says, uh, I can't have a, I don't know what to do with you. You're too big. I want, okay. So I said, if you're going to use that excuse, I'm going to remember that when we get out there. 
And when he did, I got there and I just beat the shit out of him. You know, I said, you're not going to do this to me like you do it to other people. So I took him out to the crowd and I just pummeled him.